I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode 54. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB. Um, we are so excited to be talking about all the things that we have been watching this week for another great episode. Uh, before we do that, though, we got a few things to get out of the way first. A few things more than uh, normal. The thing we always say to get out of the way first, um, if you are listening to us, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, please leave a rating or a review wherever you listen because it's so super helpful to us. Um, it helps us get into that algorithm. It helps us get seen and heard uh, by more and more people. We're always uh, really, really thankful to all of you guys that leave a rating or a review. Um, and it's just really nice to see and hear. So, you know. We, we need that validation. Um, you can also follow us across our social media platforms, whether that be on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or Threads, all at A Gay and His NB, where we are posting clips from the podcast, we're posting memes, we're posting initial thoughts of the things that we're watching. Um, always want to keep abreast of everything that's happening over there. So, like I said, across social media platforms at A Gay and His NB. Uh, you can also go and buy merchandise from us over at againnessmb.threadless.com. How many designs do we have there now? We got Uh, a new one. We have a new one. We have nine designs now. Um, Our new one is our brand new Tism Watch shirt. (laughs) I really love it, Um, Just celebrating the fact that I'm constantly on watch for, like, neurodivergent and specifically autistic possibly people on uh programming because we love um positive uh representation we also love messy representation that's fun uh you know we don't have to be perfect just because we're disabled uh so yes mutism watch shirt is out also threadless has some lovely new products that we're putting our designs on um like some bomber jackets and windbreakers getting ready for winter up there on <laughs> nice threadless and cozy. they i mean to add to their line of zip up hoodies and pullover hoodies um you know blankets um all of which you can get all nine of our designs on um uh in addition to t-shirts razorbacks uh mugs stickers magnets you name it we probably got it, and if not, send us a DM. We'll see if we can get it on there. Yeah, um, and that's all at againasenvy.threadless.com. <laughs> exactly. I got, I got into my announcer. Also, they're, and they're constantly running sales. Yes. Like, just keep an eye. Like, if something's, like, more expensive than you're wanting to pay for it, which we don't set the prices, Threadless does, but, like, if something's a little bit more than you're wanting to pay for it, that's fine. Wait, it'll go on sale. And they happen regularly. Absolutely. Always keep an eye on that. Um, and you can also send us any questions that you have that you would like me and Merlin to answer on a future episode of the podcast uh, across social media or at againismb at gmail.com. Um, stuff about stuff we're watching, stuff about life in general, anything you can think of, just send it over there and we may answer it on a future episode of the podcast. Now, second bit of housekeeping uh, for scheduling notes. Uh, we will not be having a new podcast next week. We deserve a break. <laughs> There's just a lot of things. We we are juggling a lot of uh, balls. That I didn't. I, it was right there. I was like juggling something else. No, let's just say balls. Um, but we're juggling a lot of things this next week to where we can't uh, sit down and record an episode. Um, but don't worry. We will basically be doubling up on everything next week in terms of our thoughts. Right. And honestly, we've been going strong for 54 <laughs> episodes. Sometimes since two January. episodes a week. Right. For a good stretch there, it was two episodes a week. So it's like, girl, I need to I need to sleep on a Thursday, maybe. 
you know, once in my life. That would so be nice. Hopefully. Yeah. So we just, uh, like I said, no new episode next week, but the week after that, uh, we will be back. Uh, also, if you're missing us in the meantime, I believe by the time that this podcast comes out, we will be on the Who Asked Me podcast <gasps> with Zell. Um, the amazing, uh, if you follow her across social media, including TikTok, Instagram, she's amazing. We love her thoughts on Bravo stuff and everything reality television. And, uh, she reached out and wanted us on and we were so excited. So that should be out by the time this comes out, uh, on Friday. And I believe we, we might put a link in the description as well. Yes. I will make sure that there's a link in the show notes, uh, for this episode over to, uh, Zell's podcast and even not just the episode we're on go give her a listen on all of her episodes she's pretty great uh, she's pretty great on social media so go give her a listen give her your likes and follows and comments and all of those things but now that that's all out of the way all the housekeeping is done babe what are we talking about this week well we got through all the housekeeping so let's get to the housewives we've got <laughs> the real housewives of salt lake city that we're going to be talking about up here in a minute Ooh, all the rumors and nastiness <laughs> i mean i know that was like last week's topic but that's still on the agenda this week we're also going to be talking about the second part the finale uh part of the reunion of season 17 of real housewives of orange county so many There's words so many words and honestly so much content it, it was a great episode um honestly this has been the best season i think of housewives since like 2017 2018 you were saying at least since like post-pandemic at least since post-pandemic but i would say even a couple years before that so like maybe 2018 2017 um fabulous season of television um we're also going to be talking about uh survivor uh season 45 this is episode three um this week uh crazy tribal this week really excited to get into, into the, all of that the dead weight is gone and now we got some players i know no offense but like it it really did feel like that yes but this is probably i'd say in the top 20 of tribals of all time it was a really good tribal. there was a lot of moving parts and a lot of craziness and just like holy shit um great stuff if you're not watching this season of survivor what are you doing with your life um, but before we get to any of that, we gotta go back to the Big Apple and talk about our ladies on Roni. I guess we gotta. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were opinionated like we were last week. It just gets more opinionated. But I, I, I maybe Sai is correct what she's saying in interviews about how we're just not seeing certain things. But, like, I don't see how we're not. Especially, it's also hard when, like, other cast members are also seeing that what we're seeing yeah when she's the only one saying well you're missing things there's stuff on the cutting room floor that you're not understanding i have a feeling you're the one missing things like i feel like there's a lot of projection happening we'll get uh -huh. to it um yeah. she's in a dark room with a projector Ugh. she is projecting we start the episode uh with like these contrasting scenes Sai is facetiming aaron um, while Jessel is visiting Jenna over there at Jenna's apartment. And so we're getting these, like, both Sai and Jessel's side of how we left the last episode with the lunch. Sai tells Aaron, like, did, you, did I tell you about this lunch I went on with Jessel? It was so fucking awkward. It's like, because you made it awkward. I mean, it was awkward, but, like, that's your fault. Um, Jenna is not going. It, so we found out that Aaron also set up, like, a couple's night that we're going to get to see later where they do, like, 
mini golf and like you know have drinks and all that stuff. Um, but Jenna's not going to be there because she's going to Scotland for like a spa weekend with friends. There's been a lot of I, I mean I get it, it's Jenna Lyons. Um, there's been a lot of just like regular cast missing like certain things. Some of it's been due to like COVID and stuff like that mm-hmm. and other things. But it was like I need everyone this. I need some people have been like it's not. The the new Roni's not fully there there yet. I think it's because we miss out sometimes on these like big group scenes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, and I mean it's one thing when it's like one person like on. I hate to compare, but like on Atlanta when Candy was missing a lot of things. Yeah, it's one thing when it's one person and you've got a bunch of friends of right to fill out everything. But when it's a bare bones cast and it should be, I'm glad that they didn't try to shove friends of in here with a brand new cast. Like it wouldn't have worked. So like, but when it's a brand new cast and we're still trying to get used to them and see them gel and and they're still trying to get used to each other. Right. Um, we, we really need to see them everywhere. Yeah. And, and when it's multiple people, right. Like, so you've got Bryn out for COVID and then you've got, uba out for covid and then you've got brand out for covid again and then you've got jenna out because she's actually a working bitch like (laughs) what she's got a job um so like it's just it gets a little frustrating yeah uh this was such an interesting contrast because jessel is telling jenna about how she finally did the d with pavit on their like staycation thing she goes i can't justify why it took so long i just think there's some there was something emotional in both of us that couldn't and jenna's like really proud of her it's like i'm so glad you kind of you know got over it oh look the appropriate response cut to aaron and Cy. they're on facetime oh they had sex and then Cy goes she said yeah it took me like 25 minutes to warm up down there like are you a fucking oven does he need to like preheat you this is uh, this side. This is what we're talking about. Where our frustration. So if you've listened to side, si, like I said, the, the interview with Entertainment Tonight, and then she's also done like a couple other like podcast stuff like that. She has said in these like two interviews that she is a girls' girl like eight or nine times. She like keeps repeating that over and over again as if it's like. Yeah, well, she's used to preparing a statement and delivering it once on her channel. Well, she's got her brand. Well, that's what I mean, but. Now she's having to actually talk to media outlets, but she's using the same statement every time. And it's like, girl. But like, how is this, like that, that's, how is this girl's girl's behavior? Right. I get you don't like Jessel, but even like, to like, be like, I don't, it it has now crossed the line past genuine concern about her wanting to have, like wanting her to have sex and have a healthy relationship with her husband to now you're just gossiping. Right. And that's, (laughs) again, it's. There's nothing girls girl about. Well, and and I'm just also now questioning why would Jessel share that with her? Jessel don't trust her ass. She hasn't trust her ass. So why would she divulge? Hey, it's it took me 20 minutes to warm up, like to get wet, for lack of a better term. And like that that why that's such an intimate detail. Yeah, that makes no sense. She didn't share that with her. I feel well, like she made that shit up because no, she we did, don't see well, that on camera. No, she did say it. She did say it. I, I remember it during the lunch, but it was such a like. Did she? Yeah, but it was so innocuous and like passing. But it was like, but it's I, side again, like takes every. We'll see it later. Takes a lot of things that's, that Jessel says very literal when, when she wants to. Like it's it, like there are a couple times Jessel is saying things hyperbolically, which 
which is not, not like right. not like out, outside of the ordinarily hyperbolic, hyperbolically, but just like how a normal person would. Everybody speaks that way. And there's such a literal reading into what she is saying from Sai that is really pissing me off. Like, mm-hmm. and uh, I just, I don't believe that you are as smart as you are, Sai, and not understanding certain things. Um, Jessel brings up to Jenna the lunch that she had with Sai, says that she basically wants to address the tensions from Anguilla. She mentions that she was late, and Jenna's like, how late were you? And Jessel's like, like, 15 minutes, which she was like 20, whatever. In in terms of how late she was in comparison to Cy, we cut to Cy and Aaron, um, and, and Cy's like, she was 40 minutes late. And Aaron's like, 40 minutes late? That's really rude. And Cy's like, she didn't even call me. You didn't call her. You were late first. You were 20 minutes late to the original time. You don't get to start the clock when you're not there to start the clock. Exactly. If you like you if you you're not going to call out like if I I don't we don't watch sports. But like <laughs> like if there's like a, a a what what is it in basketball like the 5 second delay, 5 second rule? I, I don't know. What like you if you violate it, you can't be like, ooh, you violated it too. I don't know. Let, let me drop the sports metaphor. That was bad. Uh, here we go. You can't start a count out if people aren't outside of the ring. There we go. There's a wrestling metaphor. Yeah. Like, why are you starting a count out for somebody when you're both in the ring? Right. So then Sai talks about like how her mother got brought up in the conversation. And I'm not giving Aaron a pass by any means because I was still really pissed at her for something that she says later we'll get to. But I will say, watching it back the second time, Cy relays this wrong. Right. Well, she, I mean, that's not surprising. Cy says, so then she brings up my freaking mother. She's like, when you brought up your situation with your mom, I related it because my uncle is an alcoholic. And then Aaron goes, that is so insensitive to compare that to your mother. She tries to compare these like little excerpts of everyone that don't really connect with any of us because they're not really the same. And I was like, okay, I only give Aaron slight benefit of the doubt in that Sai said that she said her uncle is an alcoholic as opposed to he was an alcoholic and he has since passed on due to his alcoholism. Right. And it still doesn't give Aaron the right to say what she says later. Right. But it is not correct how Sai is relaying it. I can see how Aaron would interpret that as her her uncle is like a you know a functioning alcoholic or whatever. In like, well, it's so frustrating that these women, and by these women, I mean these specific two women, seem to believe that you can't relate to someone's situation unless the situation is exactly picture perfect the same. But also to misinterpret certain situations when they are maybe not exactly the same but more similar than you're giving it credit to. Oh yeah, because in reality the the situation was both of these people lived in formative years of their lives with an alcoholic that they then watched pass away from their alcoholism right. who both blamed themselves for that alcoholism and for not helping them and not being like, there's a lot of fucking similarities there. Yeah. And she's acting like, Oh, well, like I passed a drunk on the street once. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's not that strenuous of a connection. It's like, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty, I'm going to say it's close to the same, if not the same. Jessel tells Jenna about her uncle's story and is like, I thought it, you know, if there was anyone that could understand it, it would be her. I mean, I think she understood where I was coming from, but she also said that she doesn't care. 
Jenna says in her confessional, oftentimes people want from people who won't give. This happens a lot. And she thinks that's what's happening with Jessel is that because Sai makes the point of being like, I don't care. I'm cold, blah, 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 blah. Jessel keeps trying to like get something out of her, which I can see. And I don't think Jenna's wrong in that that is a common we, that we don't try to, like, you know, connect with people necessarily who are always the most open. It's always the peop- sometimes the people who are, you know, more standoffish. Well, but it's it's not even about that. It's that they are on a show together sure. where they are supposed to be building connections and creating a friend group. And Sai has actively shut down any connection between her and Jessel. Sai clearly does not want a friendship whatsoever with her. At all. And but the thing is, is that she keeps shutting it down and saying I don't care, and then immediately running and bitching about it. Like, bitch, if you didn't care, you wouldn't bring it up again. Yeah. But you constantly are running your mouth in every goddamn scene about Jessel. I think you care more about Jessel than Jessel cares about you. Yeah. Jessel uh, is like, I have to constantly like prove myself. I think, and Jenna goes, but you don't though. And Je- and Jessel's like, yeah, I need to realize that. Uh, Jenna says in her confessional about the whole her bringing up the uncle thing she goes I know it wasn't her I know her intentions were good I know she was just trying to relate but your mom is your mom and it's really different than anyone else on the planet I I think Jenna handles the whole and is on the right team in this I didn't agree with this I didn't agree on either side of it where it's like your uncle is different yes like maybe here's my frustration you don't know Jessel's relationship with her uncle right you don't know how close they were. Right. You don't know, like, there are certain, I don't have it in my life, but, like, there are certain people, like, people who an uncle can be as close as a immediate parent. Well, but here's the thing. Even if, even if they weren't close, right, they're forgetting <laughs> that this is the only person she had in this country. Yeah. She was stranded, just her and him. In a foreign country that she has never been in in her life. Right. And she now has to not only. And New York City in particular is fucking hard. Right. And she's in a situation where she has no income. She is completely dependent on him to make sure that she is fed and has a roof over her head. And so she's sitting here with no income going, oh, this guy is dwindling. Yeah. Like, I'm watching him waste away to nothing and put all of his money into alcoholism. What's going to happen when this dude dies under an overpass somewhere, drunk off his ass, and now I don't have a fucking house to live in, yeah. and I have no money? And that's the be- and, and that's the most... Like, that's the most disconnected of scenarios. That's a scenario where, like, there isn't even... You're talking about there wasn't, like, a deep family connection between right. Jessel and her uncle. That's or. the baseline. Yeah. That's the obvious baseline. Oh, my God, that must have been stressful. Now add for any level of caring. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, th- th- at a certain point, I'm like, he's still a human being. I don't understand. Like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> like, uh, Sai goes, did you know her husband's going to Vietnam for three days? And the reason why he's going is he's trying to rack up his points. Aaron goes, wait, wait, that's bizarre. Sai goes, he's only going to be there for like 24 hours. That's enough time to get into trouble. And he then wants this is to get into a sandwich. 
That's all. But he the, wants a good by me. I, I love that, that we were, like, the whole point of this new Roni, too, was like, well, this is the unproblematic uh, New York City. But nope. it's like, no, nope, we're del- delving in some problematic things. Because I guarantee you, if he was uh, taking a flight to France, to Paris, or Milan, there wouldn't be discussion about whether Pavit was having sex with somebody else. Yeah. It, suddenly, because it's Vietnam, like... We know the connection you're making, Cy. Right, and that and it's, it's a fucked up connection. I mean, the I mean, it's it's so frustrating because like Southeast Asians already are getting a lot of like fucking sla- uh, flack yeah. from the rest of the country or the rest of the world, like the rest of the continent. Even there's a lot of looking down on Southeast Asians from like. China and South Korea and Japan, and like maybe not Southeast, but like Jessel and Pavit are. The other thing is like Jessel and Pavit are of Asian descent, right? Like right. It's, it's like they're Indian. They're, like it's so like <laughs> it's it's so fucking gross and frustrating. And I agreed with um, Matt Rogers when he was on Watch What Happens. I was like, Pavit is not the man to go fucking around the country. He's that's, not. That's not who he is. No. Like, like whether their relationship is good or whether it will work out or, or you know, whatever, he's not going to be... I don't see him in the, as the rampant fucking cheater. Like, yeah, that's not, that's not his vibe. So, <laughs> Abe comes in as Aaron and Cy are FaceTiming and Cy basically tells him the Pavit story. Abe's response is, Three or four days of peace and quiet and you get the points? That's not a bad deal. Exactly. Well, but also it's like if you find that so, like, at a certain point, Aaron, you need to look at your man. Like, like if this, if, like, keep your eyes off Pavit. If you need to get your husband on message, then get him on message. But, like, stay out of other people's bullshit who are perfectly fine with their relationships. Right. Um, we see a quick scene. There were a couple of these like really like small scenes that didn't have much in them. Uh, we see Uba meeting with Lucy, who's the director of marketing at Beatnik, which is a popular restaurant in New York. Mm-hmm. And they're doing this like partnership thing with her Uba hot, hot sauces. They're like dressing a sandwich with her sauce, right? Yeah, to have the thing, have it on their menu. Uh, there wasn't much in this except we found out Uba had like f- discovered her love for pretzel buns. And I was like, same girl. <laughs> I mean, I love a good pretzel bun. When she described, it's like the fir- like first time experience. I was like, I I I, I feel it. Um, She's I- such a foodie. I fucking love her. <laughs> well, she can eat. Like th- I said it before. Like models can eat. Like yeah, like, yeah, you know. And but she's like she talks about basically how she's not ready yet to have an investor that she had been talking about. Right. Like, but you know, she'll maybe eventually. Uh, we also see another quick scene over at Sai's house uh, in Brooklyn with her aunt Sophia. Um, and it, it here's the thing. This was a sweet scene it, that it, that got ruined ten minutes later with Sai's behavior at the the triple date. But like, it was a nice enough scene. And I will give Sai that I don't. This is not a permission slip for Sai to treat Jessel the way she's treated her this episode mm-hmm. and before that. I didn't realize when Sai was relaying the story in Anguilla about her mother that it was pretty fresh, like it was only like a year, which. I can understand it, it, it explains why she doesn't like her mother being brought up and, right. and doesn't like to talk about it. I give her that credit. It, I mean, the way she treats people in response to that is not okay. And that's not right. an excuse, but I was like, okay, there's a certain level of freshness to where I still, but even then that that's not even 
necessarily fully relevant because Jessel was talking about her uncle. No, no, she yeah. wasn't even talking about her mom. She was just going, hey, there's a tangent that is similar in direct. So I can talk about this and maybe that will help you yeah. realize that there's someone that you can talk to off camera. Jessel's trying to be empathetic here and it's so frustrating to see Cy like shit on her the whole time. I mean, it's obvious like Cy needs therapy. Like oh. like <laughs> <laughs> like it's 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 very clear to me that like she doesn't have an understanding of how to be like I don't think she understands how empathy works. I no, genu- I don't think she does. Genuinely, I don't think she fathoms the concept of it and like yeah, that it's just frustrating at the end of the day, but Cy gives her uh, her aunt, her Christmas gift, which is all her mother's paintings and like a book. David like put it together. It was a sweet moment, and she and she also notes that her aunt is very sentimental and is is a crier and and wears her emotions on her sleeve. I also love that she literally in this scene, her her aunt goes, "Oh, this gift's not going to make me cry, right?" And then Sai's like, "No, no, it's not going to make you cry." And then opens the book uh, immediately, sobs. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like it was like okay, this is sweet, and that but it doesn't last long enough in terms nope. of yeah. Mm-mm. Um, we also see a quick scene of Jenna with her son Beckett. Uh, they're going like glasses shopping. She talks about how like she really makes like a point um, to schedule trips the week that she doesn't have him because all right. the time is important. I, I thought it was interesting. Jenna says they're confessional. I really like him. I remember my mom didn't like me, and I knew that. It feels like I ha- kind of have a do over in this regard. Yeah, and like that is sweet. Um, I, I think it's also that barrier that you've talked about in the past of why she hasn't explored sort of more her mother's diagnosis and also possibly right. certain things that she may have on like the autism spectrum. Like it's, it's difficult when your parent just, when there's that disdain and it, yeah. and even if you can rec- recognize that it's not her, it's her, um, you know, what, what's, what's inside of her. Right. Like sometimes you can't disassociate that. Well, and the thing is, is that it may not have been that her mother had disdain for her. It may have been that her mother just didn't show emotion and that she didn't know how to show Jenna that she loved her. Yeah. Right? Um, Like, there's a difference between what you're feeling and what you're showing and what you're expressing. And when you don't have the ability to outwardly express that all the time, you know, it, it can be very difficult for people around you because you don't understand, like, you can't. It doesn't compute. Y'all know what I'm saying. No, I know. it. No, totally. <laughs> I'm like, sitting here like talking around it, but you get it. Like, you know what I'm saying. But I, it, 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 it was nice to see her make that connection in terms of like, I'm making the point to do that for my son. To, right. Like, you know, give that connection. We then go to Aaron's couples night over at Swingers, which is kind of like a putt putt. Like, it's, it's very similar to a, um, a certain popular franchise that we will not talk about on this on this, um, this yeah, podcast. Yeah, fuck them anyway. Fuck anyway. Em. Pop uh, pop golf? We'll just call them that. <laughs> pop golf. Yeah, that's it. Oh, God. Um, Cy and David show up. Cy tells Aaron, I already ate just in case. Aaron's like, really? Like, fuck. Like, you know, like, but I, Aaron, you, you've discerned your privilege. So it's, it, I, the, that's the one thing I will give Cy is the eating. As much as it gets annoying how much she talks about it, most of the time she's correct. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Cy asks who's coming, and Aaron's like, you know, it's basically like a triple date with, like, you know, just one Pavit. Aaron goes, is it going to be awkward? And Cy goes, honestly, I don't care. 
favorite fucking phrase. I'm I'm over it. I'm so over. I it. don't care about how many times Sai says I don't care. Um, David then. Uh, I don't know how to feel about the husband David and Abe. So David's like, you know, I heard Jessel and Poppet had like a date. Like, and then Sai mentions how Jessel says they had sex, and Sai goes. I need you both to get to the truth, the, the truth from Pavit tonight, like to Abe and, and David, which leans to what I've seen other people say, which this whole thing felt like a setup mm-hmm. to like corner Jessel and Pavit, which also does, I don't think ended up working because Jessel and Pavit are like, what the fuck? Like, this is weird. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, but I don't like, mm, I like David to a certain extent, uh, size husband, but he definitely, it definitely felt like, why is he asking these questions? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's it's difficult to see someone because we barely seen him yet on the show, on the show. He's not really super present. Yeah. And um that's probably cuz they don't want people to realize anyway. Um yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of skeletons in that closet, but um what what I will say is that they it, it's weird seeing him come in where we're really first getting a fully fleshed out view of him right and the first thing he's doing is being messy on a mission from his wife mm-hmm. you know like you kind of have to earn right some social capital with the audience before we really want you to do that sort of thing and he hasn't earned it yeah he hasn't earned the right to be messy yet um ave asked well what do i get and aaron's like i mean i already put out and gave you a blowjob <laughs> Uh, Aaron, Abe and his confessional, which I didn't know why Abe got a confessional. Abe goes, I feel bad for Aaron because I just want it like all the time. And Aaron, like in her confessional, being like, oh my God, Abe, they're really trying to sell this. We fuck all the time thing. And I'm like, the way she is so hyper vigilant of Jessalyn Povitt's marriage, it puts alarm bells in my head. Like this is fake. Like not fake, yeah. but like that you're put, you're, you're, you're there, it's protesting too much. There's a facade. Yeah. Um, Jessalyn Povitt arrive, Jessalyn a confessional. I really don't know where this animosity is coming from. I mean, honestly, I think Sai maybe doesn't like me because I dress better than her. Accurate. <laughs> I love Jessel is just like, not just because of the accent, but Jessel definitely feels like first season Dorit. Yeah. In this, and, and Dorit maybe was a little more wrong than Jessel is in this dynamic. But Well, like, Dorit's accent is also fake. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but um, like Jessel knows to like i'm just gonna be shady now maybe especially maybe at this certain point after this season when this confessional was filmed she was just like gloves are fucking off i'm done playing yeah um abe asked Pobbit about the date night and Pobbit says like you know it was good you know to get away from the kids abe is like aaron was telling me you're going to vietnam for points and then everyone then just starts joining in the conversation like aaron and size start moving in to like also ask questions it feels like all of them are asking Pobbit like at the same time so Pobbit explains it he goes, like, this ticket normally costs, like, $15,000 round trip, basically. And it was going for 900 bucks, so I bought three of them. And Pavit did an Instagram, like, explaining it with, like, right. a Google search. Apparently, it was, like, a big headline that, like... Right. It, and it was, like, right before the pandemic where it was, like, all these, like, really expensive, like, first-class, like, private plane... Not private plane, but, like, really expensive charter um, planes were, like, amazingly discounted. So he jumped on them. Um, you know, and, and Aaron goes... So why aren't you going, Jessel? And if he has three tickets, and Papa goes, I already flew two of them. Um, but and Sai's so like, but still, like, why are you going? Like, do you like Vietnam? Um, are you? Abe's like, are you just going to come back? Papa goes, Have you ever flown international first class? <laughs> Which I was like, Get him, Papa! Get him! 
<laughs> I also have to say, like, you realize that if he doesn't use it, he doesn't get the miles, right? right? You don't get to just buy a ticket, and that's how you get the miles. You have to check in and get on the plane and actually fly the miles. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's how that works. And, so otherwise, if he just let it go, he would have wasted the money that he spent. Like, that's almost $1,000 that he spent on yeah. that round-trip ticket. So, yeah, he's going to fucking go. Uh, and then Pavit, and get a sandwich while he's there. Well, Pavit says, like, you just, you know, sit on a plane, you eat caviar, you eat good food. Like, it's like, you know, it's it's not like I'm going on, like, a American Airlines. Like, and then Sai in her confessional, who flies to Vietnam for miles? Is his business there? Does he have business there? It's like, we get it. We know what you're implying. Like, fuck. Like, like it, it's just, it's so heavy-handed and so, like, obviously, like like trumped up bullshit it's just it's exhausting like stop it pavit's like well there's no date yet that i'm going so i goes i thought you were leaving next week pavit says it gets booked the day the flights open up it's because and he explains later that like with covid like the borders were shut down certain things and so it like he has the tickets but he needs like he has it 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 wouldn't be booked yet but he like he's purchased it he just needs to book the date essentially is how it like worked out um, but just wonder confessional. I have never in my life had friends so invested in my husband's travel schedule. It's none of your business. Full stop. Hey, Abe, how many shot uh, shits did you take today? I don't fucking care. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Um, the men then go golfing as then Cy goes to the bathroom. Um, Aaron asks just if she's okay. You know, after the lunch. Jessel goes, I felt her energy was kind of, like, cold and negative toward me. And then Aaron pulls, like, a face as if she's confused. Like, are you confused that Cy was negative? Like, even if you agree with Cy, like, she was negative about it. So, like, what? I, Cy uh... then comes over and asks, like, what they're talking about. And Jessel's like, we're talking about our lunch. And Cy goes, oh, my God, that was the most awkward fucking lunch. Jessica goes, but why? Like, Sai's like, it could have just been, like, a phone call. Aaron is, like, laughing in the corner. Like, this was, again, I agree with Jessel. It's very mean girl. Like, Aaron enjoys the fuck, like, you know, Sai, like, digging at Jessica. Well, and she does it later, too, when Uva gets there. Yeah. Um, Sai goes, you wanted to meet me to tell me you're not comparing your struggles? Why do you think out of everything we did in Anguilla that that would bother me the most? And Jessel goes... Because we had that moment on the boat where you seemed upset. And like, she was real generous with the phrase seemed upset. Like, bitch, you screamed at her. Yeah. Uh, so I goes, I was upset because you're not understanding what we were saying to you. Like, there's no accountability for anything. And you're talking in circles. It's like nothing is making sense. I'm like, you're describing yourself. None of this makes sense. You're just talking in. I said it last week. You're just talking in buzzwords. Not like, like. Like, what was there for her to be accountable for? Like, what what in the, the list of things that she did or said on that trip did she need to be held accountable for? Like, I don't, I, I still am not understanding. Just bla- but that's the thing. Just blatantly say, I think you are lying, Jessel, about all, your entire life story. Instead of accountability and you talking in circles and but it's like that you're right the reason that she doesn't want to do that is because that makes her the bad guy right she knows how that sounds 
Side talks about said that she was basically offended when Jessel brought up her mom. Jessel's like, I was just trying to relate to you. This is where Uba then shows up like mid conversation, and she has like fishnets on. <laughs> she she makes a comment of like, I thought it was like real swinging. It's like, oh, oh good lord. Jessel, hey, I understand though because like Aaron and they, Abe have been talking about it all season. They made it clear. Um, Jessel goes, if I knew that that was something that would upset you, like she's in the midst of apologizing to Sai. For bringing up her mother, right? And then Sai cuts her off and goes, talking about my mom, I've never opened up about it. I talked about it, and I didn't talk about it anymore after that. Ugh. Aaron is then, like, she won't, like, she won't even accept the fucking apology. Like, just, like, stop talking for two seconds, Sai, and actually listen to Jessel. And, like, ugh. Aaron is then whispering to Uba as this is happening. And Aaron goes, like, I kind of understand Sai. Like she's saying, you bring up my mother at our lunch to compare to your uncle. It's not the same. Everyone has their drunk cousin, drunk uncle. I have a couple. I was so pissed at that. That is so, like, that is a human being at the end of the fucking day. Even whether you understood that he was dead or not. Like, one, if you knew he was dead, that's fucked up to say. Two, if you didn't, it's still fucked up to say. Um, Zell, who we're going to be on the podcast of, made a great point on one of her videos, which was like, that... Sai's mother was someone's cousin, someone's aunt. Everyone, like, it's such a stupid, like, wait, like. Like, the definition of, of a woman is not only mother. Like, she's also a sister. She's also a friend. She's also a wife or, or a daughter or, like, all of these different connections to different people. Like, you can't just say, well, she was my mom, so that's all she was. Yeah. Uh, it's, mm. Jessel goes, I'm honestly blown, she says this is her confessional, I'm honestly blown away. Like, being offended that I shared a story about my uncle who went through a really hard time and passed away, I have no words. Like, this is just like, how, like, am I speaking to aliens at this point? Like, I mean, honestly. So I goes, we just want you to be real and honest. Jessel goes, I am being honest. I've not lied to you once. Sai goes, you lie all the time. You just told me Pavit was going to Vietnam next week. And they cut to the flashback of Jessel talking about this at Uba's sound bath uh, thing. And Jessel says, he's going in a couple of weeks. That doesn't mean in 14 days he's going. Do you, have you heard of a colloquialism? Like, like, like. That might be too big of a word. It's a turn of phrase. Yeah. Jessel goes, he has to go through get the fucking, when the fucking tickets open. Sai goes, at the end of the day, Jessel, I don't care. So then why are you bitching? Jessel goes, and I don't care either. I'm seriously over this mean girl shit, and it is mean girl shit. Sai goes, Jessel, you make no sense when you speak. <laughs> like, I just, I, I, I have to go back to the I don't care thing. If you don't care, then why are you trying to hold her accountable? If you don't care, then why are you spending all your time and energy pointing it out? If you didn't care, you would just go, okay, thanks for the apology, and you would move on and never bring it up again. Yeah. Jessel goes, I don't get a chance to speak. The minute I try, this is what happens. She's your fucking pet parrot, chi you know, chiming in, like, pointing at Aaron. So I go, she's talking to Uba. Like, but Aaron is like, I think, like, Jessel's point is, one, Aaron does chime in all the other times. And also, Aaron's, like, laughing and giggling in the background of this whole thing. Literally like, the whole time, she's making snide remarks under her breath to Uba. Yeah. 
Sai goes, you had me sitting for 45 minutes and didn't even have the decency to call me. I didn't even want to be at that lunch. And Jessel goes, then why did you come? Sai goes, because I was being fucking nice. I wanted, I wanted Jessel to be like, this is nice? This, yeah. If this is nice, then be mean to me. Because I don't see how it could be much different. Yeah. Sai then just storms off. It's fucking bitch. Diva. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I, I can't. I cannot stand Sai. Jessel says they're a confessional. I have never met anyone in my life that lacks the amount of empathy that she lacks in this moment. And by the way, she hasn't seen this bitch yet. I've been very PC. I can't wait. The reunion, I feel, is going to be so fucking good. Like, yeah. In ter- I, I actually think, like, Jessel is going... Like, she has the confidence knowing that the audience is on her side. She has right. the confidence of just all that to, like, carry her into this. Side joins the guys, and they're still talking about, like, you know, Poppet and stuff like that. David goes, you know, I, you know, what would you say you know, to Sai? What would you say if I was flying to Vietnam repeatedly? And Sai goes, who are you fucking? Poppet, like, laughs it off as, like, a joke. But in his, in his confessional, Poppet's like, I don't understand why Sai keeps, like, bringing up Vietnam. Maybe she's trying to catch me in a lie. But there's no lie, though. I'm going to eat a bon me. <laughs> be concerned about your own relationship. Let me and Jess be. Well, it's just, it, it's a clear indication of how obsessed with sex the, that Sai and Aaron are. Right. That they assume that the, number one, that, um, that Jessel and Pavit don't have a good relationship simply because they haven't had sex. Like, okay, they could very much be intimate in other ways. Right. Which and, I feel is like what we see. Like, not just like there are ways to have sex that are not penetrative so like there's like we don't know we just know that they haven't fucked like they could have done other things they also very much could have you know like plenty of like cuddle on the couch sessions and like deep meaningful conversations and like going out to the movies together or whatever they want to do that is their level of intimacy right yeah like there's so many things you can do to be intimate. I don't know why Aaron and Sai seem to be obsessed with the idea that sex is the only way to be intimate and the only way to have a healthy relationship. Yeah. Sai and Aaron sit back down together as everyone sits around like the table. And Sai is just like talking loudly at this point. Like she's not like whispering to Aaron about like how she's upset. She's vocally saying it as Jesslyn Povett are like two seats down from her. Yeah. And I give credit to them for just like ignoring her. Like, she, like, it, like, it was so awkward the way she's just, like, ranting. She's like, I'm just being honest. I say the shit everyone wants to say but don't because, the, you know, they're being fucking cordial. I don't want to be at the lunch. You know, you lied to me about the Vietnam shit. Like, saying this to Aaron, not even saying this to Jessel. Like, acting as if Jessel is not even in the fucking room. It's so gross and nasty and, like. It, it really, like, she nailed it on the head. It's fucking mean girl shit. Yeah. Sai goes, she told me he was leaving next week and that that was the whole point of the staycation. I don't believe Jessel said that. No. Because like, they, one, if she brought, if that, if she's talking about the same conversation at the sound bath, they would have shown that. Well, I remember she said something about, I want to have this staycation before he goes and that it would be happening soon-ish because they're supposed to, it's scheduled to, to open up soon. Yeah. So like. Yeah, that's why it was scheduled. But that doesn't mean that the trip was set in stone. 
that like you're equating things that are not even related. Yeah, Aaron goes, she's such a liar. Like, uh, David asked Uba again. Weird David questions. Ask Uba like, you know, why? You know, you're a beautiful woman. You know, why aren't you in like a serious relationship? Is like, is side did side give him like cue cards to like just like bring up stuff? But like, way to like equate someone's worthiness as a human being to whether, to whether they're, they're pleasing a man exactly it's like you don't I'd, so fucking misogynistic i hope you don't realize what you're saying because like and just being stupid but yeah um uba asked the guys a question of like what made you all think th- these bitches were the one basically like an icebreaker discussion thing the husbands all go around Pavit then answers and he basically says it's being able to do what you love with someone else and they put up, they put up with your shit and Jess is like, oh, that's really sweet. Sigh in her confessional. I'm sorry. You married her because she lets you do whatever you want. Not what he said. No. Again, but- n- clear, like this is why also like certain like private conversations of your of what you're relaying about stuff that Jessel said. I don't believe you because I you you clearly don't have a, a interpretive enough mind to actually understand what people are saying. Like, he literally was just saying, I love being with Jessel because she doesn't try to make me be someone I'm not. Right. And he literally says, you know, do what, do what you love with someone else. That they're along for the ride with you. Right. You're, and you're interpreting it as, like, he lets, she lets him, like, fuck hookers in Vietnam or whatever the fuck. Basically is what she's trying to make it out to be. Yeah. Okay, so then Uba then is showing Sai on her phone, apparently some guy that she's dating, uh, but talks about how, like, she doesn't want to tell the group because it's new and, you know, she doesn't want, like, the peanut gallery essentially, like, critiquing it because et cetera, whatever. Right. And she goes, and Sai can keep a secret. And then Sai is like, you have my word. I won't say anything. And then, like, Pinky promises with her. Based off of what we're seeing in the finale trailer, it seems like this is part of the big fight at the end of end of the season so we'll see about it on sunday well luckily size a girl's girl so she would never uh break that (laughs) promise yeah yeah she's she's really nice yeah uh bryn and jenna stop by jessel's apartment um bryn's uh, ski hat (laughs) that she comes in it was very phallic uh uh, yep mm-hmm um bryn is uh talking about how you know she's having a birthday party that everyone's invited to it's creative black tie theme essentially um jessel goes are the husbands invited and Brynn goes abe's invited <laughs> i love that they can joke about it now yeah um jessel uh briefs them on what happened at the swingers uh, uh place and then and with the lunch and stuff like that and then pavit joins them in on the conversation jenna tells uh jessel just from like the outside looking in you know Losing your mom the way she did, I think it's very different than an uncle. And I say that with respect. Like, Jenna was trying to bridge it, right? Right. I, I don't think she was trying to, like, you know, dogpile on Jessalyn anyways. Jessalyn goes, she called me prude. She called me a diva. Jenna turns to Papa and goes, is she a diva? And Papa goes, Jess, no. Is I bipolar? Yes. She flips the switch. And I actually really like, because Jessel and Bryn are both like, you, you don't want to say it like that. Right. And kind of like tell him, like, you probably want to take that back. And he's like, yeah, I didn't mean, you know, right. I just meant whatever. Like, but you're right. I, I'll take it back. That to me shows so much about their relationship that I love. Well, and it shows about, about not just their relationship, but also how Pavit like views and treats women. Mm-hmm. Because he immediately said, oh, you know what? You're right. 
instead of like trying to assert dominance, instead of trying to assert that he's right, instead of anything like that, he just took the note and said, okay, let's and, move forward. And have and has humility right. in, in terms of it. And I also think like it's like while like it's Cy and Aaron and not necessarily like their marriage, but like the fact that Jessel can call someone out, call her friend, because Pavit is her best friend, she says, right. as well. Like, call him out like that. Right. As opposed to the group thing that's happening on, like, Cy and Aaron's side, and the husbands are supposed to, like, say the correct things. And, not like, to me, like, the, that dialogue was way more healthy than what's happening on, like, Cy and Aaron's side of the bench. Well, and what really also impressed me is that this is their first year on television. Right. They've never been on television before. Like, and he didn't even, he didn't flush. You didn't see any redness in his cheeks. He didn't feel any sort of embarrassment about what he said. He was just like, oh, okay, fine. Because he wasn't centering himself. He could t- he's sure in himself. Well, he didn't look for the camera. He wasn't worried about like, oh God, I just said this thing on TV. Like, there's also that fourth wall part of it, right? Yeah. Like, not only was he okay with his wife calling him out in front of their friends, but he was okay and comfortable enough in himself that he was okay with her calling him out on fucking international television. Right. Yeah, exactly. And there was no concern for that on his face. None. Pavit talks about, like, I don't understand why, like, Sai keeps thinking that, like, Jessel's lying about this Vietnam thing. Bryn says, I mean, it was a little confusing, Jessel, because at the sex shop, you did say that the, the flight was booked. Pavit's like, it's technically booked. It's just that the flights aren't open yet because of the border. Jessel goes, though, but, like, who cares? I wouldn't lie about something like that. Like, it's a stupid thing to lie about. Right. Like, yeah, what's the point? Like, much with the uncle story, much with, like... What's the point in her lying? I Well, the thing is, is that they want it to distill into a three to five word sentence and that be the end of it. And that encapsulate the full depth and breadth of the situation. And that doesn't work here because this is a complicated, like weird coupon discount thing that was going on over here and has like nuances and weird things with scheduling and all of that happening. And it's like, yeah, it's not going to fit in like, your 20 second sound bite. Right. Sorry. Bryn uh, says that Aaron told her about Pavit's answer to Uba's question that she asked and that he, Bryn says that Aaron was like, I like Jessel because she lets me do what I want. And Jessel's like, that is not what he said. First off. And then Bryn goes, and she was like, it was so weird. He wasn't wearing his ring. Jessel goes, is she trying to imply like, what the fuck? Like, like, it's, uh, I, mm, well, and the thing is, is that they immediately turn to, to Pavit and go, is this what you said? And Pavit's like, that's not what I said at all. Well, he, yeah. Well, he, at first they go, Pavit, what did you say at the thing? And Pavit goes, oh God, I don't even remember. I was like six scotches in. Right. <laughs> but then like when they say, uh, like relay it, he's like, okay, well, I definitely didn't say that. Well, and then she also says, um, right after this, she says he hasn't worn his, his ring since like. Two weeks or two months or something after they got married. She's like, they lost it the second week or whatever. And then, like, it just never got replaced. Right. And Pavit shows them, like, I don't have the ring on now. So, like, clearly. Like, it's not not that I'm slipping it in my pocket. She's right there. It's not on my hand. Like, I... 
Brandon their professional goes, am I stirring the pot and da, 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 da? Yes. But this is a serious topic. We shouldn't be trying to poke holes in people's marriages. The only time you want to poke holes is in condoms of really rich men. That is not okay. <laughs> I was with her in the first part. But you know she's tried that. <laughs> I, oh, I hope not because that's, that's... It's entrapment. It's not even just entrapment. I would say that goes as far as to constitute rape in my view. Sure. Because it's sex under false pretenses, which means that you cannot possibly consent because you don't know the full yeah. depth and breadth. Of, so that's, Brent, I hope you're joking. Fun fact. Um, <laughs> is that what Heavenly did? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Trap Daddy. I mean, I want Mary to Medicine come back so quickly. Um, Jessel goes, this is my fucking best friend. And Jenna goes, you don't have to defend it. I don't know why they're taking shots at you guys. Jessel goes, starts crying, goes, it's below the belt. And I can't cry because I have a dinner. <laughs> She's so great. She's so naturally funny. Yeah. Um, Jessel's, they, they discuss about, like, you know, the power of, like, you know, that Jessel keeps chasing after the, the you know, the forgiveness from Sai or whatever. Jessel's like, I think I have to move on from it. And Jenna agrees. And Bryn's like, mm, I don't know. You know, sometimes people use that as an excuse to, like, not stand up for themselves. And Jessel's like, I did stand up for myself. Right. And I think she did, but I also slightly agree with Bryn's point. Right. Bryn says, how people treat you is a direct reflection of what you've given them permission to do. And her confessional, Bryn goes, the next time they come up to you to say, come up to you, say, stay the fuck out of my business. The second you say that to Sai, she'll turn around and say, you want to have a drink. I don't know much about that second part because um, Sai seems terrible. But I think I need, I think Jessel did stand up for herself at the, the date. But I, I do think Bryn is right in that Jessel needs the moment of like, you can like, you don't have to like me. We don't have to be friends. You don't have to trust me, whatever. Stop bringing up my fucking marriage and stop trying to fucking imply things that are not fucking true. You're not going to fucking go there. Yeah. Like, I think that is a baseline of a boundary that you need to set with somebody that like that is fucked up. And I'm not dealing with this conjecture. I like, la like I, I laughed off all the fucking comments about my sex life and about how, you know, you know, it, blah, 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 like the jokes and stuff like that. And I took it. For weeks and right. months. No fucking more. Yeah, I mean, I think side just needs to be checked. I mean, and and at a certain point, if she keeps going, then that's fine. That's on Psy. Right. But, like, you you do have to put your foot down with someone like that. But I, I will push back a little bit. People who are abusive will continue to abuse people. Period. End of story. And it doesn't matter if you put your foot down or not. If you allow them to stay in your life, they will continue to be abusive. Because it's not just about setting the boundary. It's about holding the boundary. Yeah. Like, you have to then enforce that with actionable consequences to those actions. Right. It's not about saying, you are no longer allowed to treat me like this. It's about saying... You are no longer allowed to treat me like this. And when you cross this line, you will no longer have access to me. Yeah, exactly. And that's hard to do on a platform like this because, again, they are not contracted to each other. They're contracted to Bravo. Well, and I think the, the response then is, okay, I'm going to take – if, like, you're going to hit me with that, I'm going to hit you back. And to me, like, if any of this whole reported stuff about Cy and David, how they got together is true, at a certain point you keep hitting at my fucking marriages, I'm not – you know, I'm going to take the gloves off and I will unleash. Right. And that's why. And I David think, might be collateral damage in that, but my husband didn't deserve it fucking either. 
Well, and and I think that people forget that with housewives. Like, there's a lot of in real life, you just distance yourself from a toxic person, exactly. right? On housewives, you don't really have that option. You kind of have to fight back. You have to fight fire with fire. You can't just sit there and take it all the time. That's awful for your mental health. Right. So you have to get down and dirty. And if if Sai's not going to back off, and if Sai's not going to leave the show, then Sai's going to be catching them hands. Yeah. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's what it's going to end up coming down to. The episode ends and Jessel goes, it's not being opinionated anymore. It's like targeting. Yeah. And yeah, like it really feels that way. I don't like victim, like I typically hate victim narratives on Housewives, but it just feels so unnecessary what they're doing at Jessel. And it's like. Well, and it's going around right now in Housewives, right? There's there's a lot of active targeting of individual cast members. Right. Like we saw active targeting of. Kenya and um, Drew and uh, and Candy on Atlanta. We yeah. see active targeting of Jessel and Jenna in the first half of the season on Roni. We saw active targeting of Heather on OC. Like, it's going around. No one likes a gang up on these shows. I hate it. Hate a gang up. Yeah, it's frustrating. Um, but that was uh, New York for this week. Uh, one more episode. We got the finale, and then we got the two-part reuni- reunion. Uh, it's going to be really exciting to see. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, much. Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild... Like, accountability is love, and toxicity is not on the menu. To a little more spicy. Like one of my favorites, Fuck Your Laws, Fuck Your System, Transformative Justice Now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. You know, we'd like to take a moment to uh, recognize that this week 
Uh, we had National Coming Out Day. Um, congratulations. This episode, we finally have confirmation that Brooks Marks is not straight. And uh, Sean, maybe? I don't, maybe I don't. Jury's still out. <laughs> Jury's still out on Sean. But let's get into this episode of Salt Lake City. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah, we'll get into it. Um, we continue on from uh, Lisa's apres no ski I still hate that pun. Like, it's so much of a long walk. I, it's, uh, Isn't it great? You gotta, puns need to be short and sweet. Like, you gotta get right to it. Yeah. Like, it's gotta be quick. And Angie's like pulling Meredith aside and saying, Meredith, can we talk for a moment? Um, she gets, sits Meredith down. She goes, So it sounds that you are spreading rumors about my marriage and my husband. Uh, I obviously don't have to go into detail. You know what it is. It's like, what? <laughs> like, maybe you should go, like, you're just gonna, Okay. Meredith goes, I don't know what you're talking about. There are rumors about you. I'm not spreading them. And she goes, you have said it to multiple women in this group, talking about my husband and other men. And Meredith goes, I'm not talking about your husband. First of all, I've not talked to Whitney. I I mean, Meredith, you are talking about, the whole quote is your husband? Like, that from yeah. the, the thing. And then Whitney goes, you said at the airport, that you heard rumors about her husband. And Mary goes, that's all I said. Um, I, again, I don't, I don't know if this, I don't know if Meredith is spreading this rumor. I think she's spreading other rumors. I think she is not even necessarily spreading rumors. Meredith has this history of saying she has heard rumors and then letting other people like hang themselves on the details. Right. All that she will ever say is, I heard rumors. I mean, I just, I heard but I, that there's a rumor. But we'll get to it, too, of, like, I think the other thing is, like, it'd be one thing if this, again, was a completely new rumor. Right. And the fact that it appears not to be is why I think it may not be the specific rumor that Meredith is spreading. If right. that makes sense. Because, like, you know, Angie goes... You've gone after every marriage in this group. Meanwhile, you're the only one who is out spreading your legs outside of their marriage. Like, which Angie had said last episode and like when the episode ended, I was like, you can't like change up the line. Like, like, like phrase it differently when you're actually saying it to Meredith. You know what I mean? Like you gotta like, I don't know. But so wait, so Angie said it here and you said that Lisa said it at the end no, of the No, no, Angie did it last Oh, when, both episodes. When okay. she was talking to Whitney and Monica. Like, oh, the, okay. The it Got was just, it. It was just word for word yeah. to where it, because it's word for word, it's like you planned it. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to break that I, with Angie. Oh, that was that your only indication that maybe she was acting a little bit here at this party? It's it wasn't like the hand she, to chest pearl clutching? Yeah. Meredith then leaves and goes, we're done. Learn how to speak to me with respect. <laughs> I d why does she always sound drunk? I have no clue. She <laughs> I mean, Lisa's made the implication last season as to why it is, but I'm not going to, you know. <laughs> well, but the thing is, is that when she actually is drunk, she sounds like this, but drunker. Yeah. But this still sounds like a normal person drunk. It's just... I, I don't understand. Meredith leaves and, and Angie goes, oh, so she walks away again. Meredith sits down with Lisa and Mary, as, Mary. And as soon as Meredith sits down, Lisa goes, you guys, I'm glad we all got together. I'm so glad. It was like. Read the room, girl. Angie approaches and goes, hey, don't turn your back to me. I'm not done talking to you. Like Angie's like, you have like robbed me of my moment five times this season. I need my <laughs> fucking moment. <laughs> 
Angie goes, I'm trying to get my snowflake. <laughs> Angie goes to Lisa, did you like it when she was spreading rumors about giving fucking blowjobs for jazz tickets? And I'm like, but again, that wasn't, again, Meredith was spreading other rumors about Lisa. She didn't spread the jazz ticket rumor. But also. <laughs> that was she, Angie Harrington. But she also got it backwards. She literally pointed at Lisa and was as, still speaking to Meredith as if Lisa was spreading a rumor that Meredith was getting giving blowies for jazz At tickets. a certain point, I needed someone to be like, okay, go back, take 22. Like, <laughs> like you, you delivered the line to the wrong housewife, dumb bitch. Uh, <laughs> Meredith then gets up to leave, and Angie grabs her arm. Angie is – I don't like Angie's, like – personal space boundaries that she yeah. has with people like what she did with monica last episode I was like, they're mm. and Meredith goes don't touch me and she goes run away meredith the only one who spreads their legs outside their marriage is you and meredith goes not me talk to yours i'm like okay so meredith confirms that sean's a bottom um <laughs> i mean i think that's what she said <laughs> like, that, that's what i heard uh, <laughs> big old nelly bottom monica tells heather what the rumor is and then tells lisa um, Mary, Mary's just staring off blankly and her confessional goes, I can't believe I wasted another outfit on this event. Like, where's the food? Like, what are we eating? <laughs> There's literally food, like several food stations around this place. Well, Mary's also very weird with her food, especially like what we saw on Watch What Happens Live. Which... She, she's weird in weird ways. She's not even like predictably weird. Yeah. Lisa goes, Monica, I have never heard that in my life. On my kids, I have never heard that. And Monica is like in her confessional going, everyone here has either heard this rumor or has spread it. That's some fake shit. That's some Utah shit. And Heather, like Whitney goes to Heather, goes, have you heard the rumor? And Heather goes, yeah. Like, you haven't heard that in Salt Lake? People always say that about male hairdressers. To me, like, that tells me that, like, the Lisa, Whitney, Angie alliance prepared for this and is like maintaining like the fact that that half has never heard this rumor according to them but the other half mysteriously has but they fucked up because later when angie is telling sean about this sean talks about how he's been fighting this rumor for 30 years exactly and it's like and then on Watch it, What Happens Live when Angie was on last week, didn't she say, like, I've never heard this rumor before? Yeah, so it's like, is it new or is it something he's been fighting forever? Like, you can't, like, also stop fighting? <laughs> like, yeah. I just, like, if the issue, because y'all haven't been married for 30 minutes, for 30 years, right? So, like, you can't say that the issue with the rumor is the infidelity implication when you've been fighting the rumor for 30 years, right? You haven't been married. So there hasn't been implications of infidelity as part of the rumor for 30 years. So what were you fighting at the beginning of this rumor? If it wasn't the allegations of homosexuality? Yeah. Heather goes, this is Utah. I've been to family reunions where a guy wears a cardigan and they think he's gay. And as soon as she's married to a guy that wore tapered pants and custom-made suits, the rumors started flying. I've been loving Heather this season a lot. Heather's redeemed herself from her bad season last year. She's not, like, immediately playing to the forefront of everything. She's kind of just, like, having funny quips in her confessionals and sort of, like, you know, letting things play out, which I think was the right move by her. I, I just want to mention, you know, um, I'm going to slightly um, butcher this uh, uh, phrase from our lovely Heather DeBro from earlier this season, but 
Heather DeBro said, where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, sometimes there's arson. Um, in this case, it's where there's smoke, there's fire, but sometimes they're just smoking a cigarette. You know what they call cigarettes in the UK, right? Yeah. yeah sometimes yeah. it's just a, never mind. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mary asked Lisa, like, Lisa, is there food? And Lisa goes, there's a lot of food. Um, Emily, is Emily around? And she and she finds Emily and goes, can you make her a pizza to go? Um, Monica goes, a fresh pizza is what we need right now. And Mary goes, you can order your own. <laughs> She's like, do you not touch my pizza? There was She wasn't impl- implying that she was going to eat your pizza. Yeah. She was just saying, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's get pizzas. And Mary's getting her pizza. And and this, I agree, this was so fucked up. The staff goes, you know, we don't have a pizza box, unfortunately. And Mary goes, you couldn't put it in a box yourself? Customer service? And the staff member goes, I just didn't want to touch it with my hands. And Mary goes, oh. Oh, you're lazy. I, uh, Mary, I get Mary's such a cartoon character that it's like, oh, my God, she's so funny. And it was, I chuckled, but it was like, oh, this is terrible. Like, like you would have to actually experience this person she's in real life. It's Ramona. It's very Ramona. It's 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 like if Ramona was like more hateful, <laughs> like like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't think Ramona I think there was always a sense that Ramona was like unintentionally doing stuff sometimes. Yeah. But like this it's like Well, it's like Ramona's views, but with Luann early day Luann like looking down their nose or looking down her nose at people. Yeah. It's with those two things combined. I think what it is because I saw I don't know if you saw uh, Emily from She Speaks Bravo posted about the Mary Z way watch what happens live episode and being like I thought this was like kind of gross like the way Mary was acting and I agree I think what it is for years I think what it was is that it depends on what Mary's target is. Right. Like, when she was going after Jen, Jen was awful, so we didn't care. Like, when she was saying she smelled like hospital, I didn't give a fuck. Like, it was right. hilarious. With Whitney, Whitney's a dumb... She's a dumb dumb. <laughs> she's, she's not... This, and, like, is kind of a... I've talked about how Whitney's annoying to me at times. When she goes after Lisa, it's, like, so low-hanging fruit. I, I, I realize I never like it when Mary goes after Heather. Because, like, Heather is, like, so... Already has a low self-esteem and, like... Well, but I mean, even if it wasn't about that, she goes after she she goes after things like her being a plus size woman. Yeah, she made and, that gross comment about like Gucci doesn't sell corsets in size fourteen, which was like it's like fuck you, number one, and number two, have you never heard of couture? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, you're you too poor for couture. Mm. But uh, like, you don't like it when I make disparaging comments about your 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 wealth right so make maybe don't make disparaging comments about someone's fucking body fuck you but that's the thing it's like when it's heather when it's like a staff like like someone like putting together like a service worker or whatever right it's like okay like this is like like they don't deserve this jen shaw and lisa are fucking delusional messes to where it's like funny but like well i think she just has disdain for people it's so much more than like She just doesn't like people, which there's so many people that feel that way. And honestly, it's usually deserved. But like in this situation, it's like she has absolute disdain for every single human walking this earth. It really does. And she will find whatever she needs to to make them feel and look like shit. If she is a god, as as it's been implied that she, her 
churchgoer viewer as. She's definitely an Old Testament god. She's definitely acting like it. Yeah. Like she views herself that way. Uh, Angie leaves, and before she leaves, though, passes Meredith and goes, I feel so sorry for you that you're so miserable. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. Meredith tells Lisa, there's something wrong with her, Lisa. She has a weird thing with me, and I'm not interested. Lisa goes, in her confessional, I can't believe Meredith is playing victim right now. The real victim in this situation is Angie. And me. I mean, it's also my party. <laughs> it's like, Lisa is so aloof. God, the, just, but her confessionals are funny as fuck. Like, every time it's, like, consistently, like, liner after liner after liner. Uh, it's so good. We then go to, I guess, the next morning. Angie is, like, making her bed the next morning in her robe in, like, a full face of makeup. <laughs> like, I, I know how this happens on Housewives, like, all the time, but it's, like, you didn't just get out of bed. <laughs> yeah. And then she's talking to Sean. Uh, she says in her confessional, my family is my whole world, and I'm lost without Sean and Electra. And for somebody to attack that or question that can really devastate my family. Maybe, maybe my heart is cold, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm underlyingly homophobic. I don't know. Um, this seemed way too melodramatic for the accusation. Yeah, this whole scene, I was like, y'all be acting real hard. <laughs> like, yeah. Angie tells Sean that, you know, I didn't want to say anything before bed, but, you know, and then tells him, like, that Meredith was alluding that he was hooking up with men on the side. Sean goes, what a fucking idiot. Angie goes, that's something you've had to listen to for 30 years. You're a hairdresser, so you're automatically gay. And Sean goes, gay, straight, whatever. It's the adultery part that is bad. It's crazy. It's nuts. It's a smear campaign. And to what end is this woman willing to go to? Just like, I, I just... Like, I don't see people getting this upset. Like, let's compare this to Ryan on OC, right? Right. I don't see him getting this upset over accusations of actual... Infidelity. Infidelity. Like, admitted actual infidelity. Because right? a reminder, the, the, the rumor technically isn't infidelity because it's... The rumor is that Angie knows this stuff and okays it. So... Right, so it's not, yeah, right, like, it's not even infidelity, like, what the fuck, but it's just, like, why, why are you so upset if there's no truth to it? Right. Like, at this point, why wouldn't you go, you know, I've been listening to people call me gay for 30 years, and honestly, I don't give a fuck what they think, and, you know, I don't care because they keep coming to me to do their hair because they think that because I'm, they think I'm gay, that... I'm going to be good at it, and I've clearly proved that I'm good at it. So I don't care. It gives me social capital. So let's just lean into it. Yeah. You know, at this point, that's how I would think a rational human who was faced with these inaccurate, completely bald faced lies accusations would handle it. Would handle it. Instead, there's tears oh, and he there's like, like, basically fainting on a fainting couch he is fucking even, Scarlett O'Hara over he, here. He can't even get the words out. He's like silver clamped. And he's and, and Angie goes, Sean, she's a miserable bitch. Don't let her get to you. He goes, you know Electra's going to hear about this. And it kills me that she would ever think I would do something like this. I've been working my ass off to be her hero. It's like, this felt scripted. The only people who get this upset about getting called gay are people in the closet. But it's like, no one <laughs> talks like that. Like, it's like... Uh, 
but you but you are you are her hero and the way you handle that this she's gonna admire you even more it's like what the fuck this wouldn't make me admire him Uh, angie says in her confessional it's very dangerous to make accusations of infidelity in the greek community because here it goes (laughs) because we are practicing orthodox and infidelity is against our religion isn't maybe I'm crazy. Isn't isn't infidelity against most religions? I don't know of a religion where infidelity is maybe neutral. So maybe ones where it differs for like men and women. I mean, some there's some sexist ones that can say like men can fuck whoever. Right, but, but at that point, that's not infidelity. Yeah, infidelity is without permission. Right, it's breaking a contract, like a social contract between two people. At this point, it, but it, again, going back to it, it's like. If you sleep, if you, if you slip the Greek thing in one more goddamn time where it doesn't fit, I need a like, counter. <laughs> I need a rolling counter every time she fucking says Greek or anything Greek related. Yeah, so, Sean goes. She's not welcome in this home. I don't want to be around her at all. Talking about Meredith, it's like, oh my god, what does that sound like? Oh, oh, you mean it sounds like Ralph kicking Drew's sister out of the house because she because she's calling him out on shit? Well, yeah, sure. I'm not saying that Sean is abusive. I'm saying that they're hiding something. I'm sure after the cameras went off, Angie's like, okay, that was great, Sean. But also you, that last part, I still have to do public events because I'm, I want my snowflake. <laughs> Monica, we go to Monica getting her girls ready for school. I thought it, there was, wasn't much in the scene, but it was really interesting in terms of like, this, this is going to sound shady, but I don't mean it. It was, Lies. It, <laughs> no, I genuinely was like, it was interesting and nice seeing her get her kids together in a house that wasn't like super expensive. Like you could tell, like the like the, something about like the floorboards and like the way the, like it was like oh this could be like our house. It, yeah. Like you know what I mean? And it it was like in contrast to like we'll see Angie's house later, which is just like way too fucking much for me. And it's like there was something really interesting about that on Housewives. Where it's like, this just feels like, and this doesn't feel like a wealthy person. And I mean, she's... Well, it harkens back to like early OC days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not like, like, you got a house at the very least. But it's like, you know, still, you know, not, it's not like you've got like these like sprawling white, you know, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Um, Monica talks a little bit of professional how she feels like some resentment from her mom because of the lack of instability that she had when she was growing up and that she's wanting to provide that to her children and stuff like that. We get a little bit more of that dynamic mm-hmm. later, which I thought was real interesting. Um, uh, we then go to Lisa taking Jack to the nail spa, <laughs> which I was like, huh? Okay. Uh, Lisa, I love that the water's hot for the pedicure. As opposed to cold, but like, you know how a pedicure works, right? <laughs> I just, I don't understand these people sometimes. Uh, in our confessional, Lisa goes, a lot of people here pay their kids to go on missions or blackmail them or say that they're going to embarrass the family. But Jack was raised non-Orthodox, so I'm still processing not being able to see him for two years. Every single second with him, I want it to be the best second. It's a good thing he's big into men's grooming. It's a bonus. <laughs> it's like... I'm just saying... We've seen latter days. That's all I'm saying. Sure. But also, like, can I, like, people have talked about, and I don't know definitively, 
I've heard people dispute this whole, like, he, you don't get to see him for two years. Like, you can visit him, necessarily, if you, like, you know, like, you can go to, he can't leave to go to you, but, like, you can, it's not like you can't communicate with him at all. Right. I don't know. That's what I've heard, so I, I, I'm not versed in, like, Mormon missions, so, you know. Right. It's not my forte. Um, Lisa brings up that apparently at the party, Heather was asking questions about Jack's mission. Lisa goes, like, it's really none of her business. It's not like she's doing anything bad. He chose to serve a mission instead of, like, math or, like, teenage pregnancies. <laughs> it's Those are not remotely equal things. <laughs> like, there's a, there's a middle ground, right? <laughs> it's either you... Also, doing math? Like, is he just... You want him to major in math? I don't know. Like math. Oh, I thought you said, no, I thought she said math. No, she said math. <laughs> oh, oh, God. It was the Lisa voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It did. I can't believe I fucked that up. <laughs> uh, she didn't go into mathematics. You know, addition, you know, subtraction, but multiplication. Then, but then Lisa, I was so confused. Lisa goes, what about the Book of Mormon? Have you read it? And Jack goes, yeah, I'm reading it right now. It's very action packed. And Lisa goes, Really? That's interesting. And then she says her confessional, I haven't read the Book of Mormon, but based on what I'm hearing, I kind of want to read it. I'm like shocked that Jack is reading it before me. I'm like an avid reader. It's like, not a Tom Clancy novel. What are you talking about? I'm an avid reader. I read the Taco Bell menu. I read the Burger King menu. <laughs> and I read my castmates for Phil. But it's like... I we I feel like there's still a lot of questions out about Lisa's Mormonism. Like we get a little bit of answers here about certain things, but it was like you haven't I, like the Book of Mormon is basically the Bible for no it it's a second book. Oh, okay. yeah. So they use the Bible, but then they also use the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon is like a separate story by a. a modern prophet the mormonism is like only like 70 years old gotcha that confused me because i was like it would be essential to someone say like i'm a i'm a devout christian but like i don't read the bible it's like what like that was that was genuinely confusing but yeah so. i think i'm off on the years but it's not that long lot not that long ago yeah lisa then explains to jack that like you know you know, when you go go into the temple for, because I guess you have to go to the temple for, for your mission to like some ceremony sort of thing. She's like, John will likely have to take you, you know, because, you know, I don't wear garments and stuff like that. And then she explains it in her confessional. She goes, I go to church every Sunday, but the difference is the pretty buildings. <laughs> and then she goes, the temples. It's like the pretty buildings. And then... <laughs> And then says, you have to be worthy to go in them. Like, I might not feel worthy because I drink too much Diet Coke. Someone might not feel worthy because they drink too much alcohol. Like, someone might not be worthy because they're hitting it with their neighbor. <laughs> what? So it's like, so I guess, like, is that like, huh? I, think, like, I didn't know there was a difference between, like, going to a Mormon church and, like. Yeah, so it's like, in, there's a difference between, like, um going to like a big cathedral in Catholicism for the equivalency, right? Oh, going is it to like, like the big cathedral and going to like a local parish. Is that, is it like it, for example, if like you go to uh, the Vatican or whatever, like you have to be like baptized or something like that. Is it, it like base, similar? It's similar. Like the, if you're going to like the big temple, you, it's like you have to go and be in the proper dress and the proper attire and be like, right. Like, basically have all of your i'm i'm making like a an 
connection, but like you're, you're, you basically have to have your vaccine card filled out on holiness. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to like be meeting all of the requirements of being in the presence of God effectively is what they're saying. Right. Like you're not worthy of being in the presence of God unless you are doing these things. Like you can still be a Mormon and go to church, but you can go to the the, the bad people church over there. Mm-hmm. You can't come to the good people church for here. the little peons, right? Uh, Lisa says to Jack, "There hasn't been a night that I don't go to bed thinking, you know, was I good enough? A good enough mom today? I mean, clearly I'm a great mom if you made this decision." And then Jack goes, "No, the decision was all me, though. It's why I didn't tell you." And Lisa <laughs> goes, "I know." I was like, "You're kind of a dick to your mom, <laughs> like." kind of rude <laughs> i mean but he's right Why? <laughs> right, but like uh, he's uh, yeah also is it like this all brings into context the argument from last season where he's like i'm not going to freaking college fudge college fudge college because uh, he's because at that point he was already preparing for mission Yes, yeah, I think, but Lisa thought at the time because he has the because he him and his brother have fresh wealth. Um, that right. he was like, she didn't know about it, but he would have already been preparing. Right. Yeah. So uh, it, there's a weird dynamic with that stuff that I feel like we're not getting deep into enough. And I, yeah, like I feel like Lisa, I don't think I think normally as a person would wouldn't want to present the worst parts of that dynamic, but like you know. Yeah. I feel like there's something there. I feel like there is too. Lisa and Whitney show up at Angie's house. Uh, Lisa goes, I love coming to a Greek's house because I don't, I know I'm going to be able to eat. Do you have Diet Coke? I'm like, you can't do this too. Like it can, like Angie can't be the, like, I don't like it when Angie talks about being Greek, like every other five words, but like, you can't also like, (laughs) I don't, I don't, she already has a flashing neon sign. I don't need you to bring out another neon sign to point to her neon sign. Yeah. I'm worried about Angie. I know what this feels like. I wish someone would have checked in on me last year. Instead, I had to go to bed eating a burrito. I <laughs> Hi, I burrito. I cannot. <laughs> thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for your guidance, burrito. <laughs> Angie tells them, like, what, like when he, she told Sean everything. She's like, Sean cried, and Lisa goes, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like... And just the way she's relaying it lends to the fact that I felt like that scene was like kind of like forced yeah. and stupid. Whitney goes, we know where your husband sleeps. He sleeps in your bed with Electra every night. And Angie goes, we all go to bed at the same time. Okay. He could be fucking men in the daytime. Like, I don't like. Also, ain't nobody said he was sleeping. <laughs> like, like His a- feet are around his ears. Like, we're not talking about him catching Z's. We catching D's over here. Like, what you talking about? <laughs> Lisa goes, I've been trying to rebuild my friendship with Meredith, but in my head, I'm like, no, 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 pump the brakes, because oh my God. She, she says it just like that, <laughs> because how do I stay silent? And then Lisa goes, why is Monica saying so much, though? And Whitney goes, I think she heard the rumor and said I wanted to be a good friend to Angie in the moment. And Lisa goes, well, she makes stuff up, though, like that Snoop Dogg plane ride. <laughs> What? She has it out for Monica. She's coming for her fucking neck. Also, the phrase Snoop Dogg plane ride sounds like a really, like, it sounds like an ad-lib phrase. Like, something you would, it's just, it was weird. Yeah. What are you talking about? And then Whitney was confusing the fuck out of me. In her confessional, she goes, Monica is not the one to be blamed for this just because she said what the rumor was. She's Meredith's decoy. And I just can't believe Lisa is falling for it, too. 
How is she Meredith's decoy? Decoys have to be like active participants. Like you're implying as if Meredith told Monica the rumor and then Monica like Monica then told it to Angie out of being a friend. But there were steps in between that. Right. Involving you, Whitney. Right. Like, girl, like we're not dumb. <laughs> like ugh. Angie asked Lisa how she feels about Heather. And uh, brings up that, you know, I really saw a different side of her after Palm Springs. And then Heather apparently invited Angie to her house to, like, I guess, like, paint birdhouses, which I was like, what? Like, just having this serious conversation as they're just, like, painting these birdhouses with no explanation. Yeah. They both end up apologizing to each other. And Heather then tells Angie, I have mad respect for you. I don't think I could have survived that trip the way that you did. And I want to apologize that I didn't show up for you at all. Which I was like, okay. like. Again, I think Heather's playing this correctly for the most part. I think she, I think, like we said before, no one likes a pile up on Housewives. And I think she saw that, like, me, I can't also be as anti-Angie as Meredith is. Cause, right. Because that's a whole other level. Right. Um, Lisa goes, oh, my God, you're lucky. She gave that to you. She's never done that with me. Like, I'm happy for you, but she's never given me that ever, Ange. Ever. I'm losing sight of the happy for you part. Yeah, it's like you, you kind of jump past that into seeing to What was me? Very upset. I'm literally getting triggered by this. Like, where was this friendship last year? <laughs> she says to her confessional, where are my accolades for people talking about my family, my business, me behind my back? It's like, Angie, you had a bad weekend in Palm Springs. I had to endure it for three fucking years. You don't get accolades for getting yelled at. That's not how accolades work. Sure. I think Lisa's making this about herself as she's one to do and is annoying about it and like beating this dead horse yeah. to to death. I think there's a slight point. Did I say I said I know beating I, this dead horse to death. A de- it's gonna be dead again. Um <laughs> I could have beat it to death so hard that it pops back to life pops me in the mouth with a hoof and then dies again. <laughs> but I think there's like a a semblance of a point in what what Lisa's saying. I do feel like Heather has always like that we we've said it, it feels like at the last three seasons there's been kind of a dog pile on Lisa in a certain realm. Yeah. And like I can understand that like I understand the notion of like you went through this Palm Springs trip where you were, you know, the, as crazy as it was and like but i've been like demeaned and i've had rumors spread against me and i've you know been basically casted as if this i'm this like evil person which lisa may be selfish at times maybe self-centered maybe you know um out of touch i don't think she's evil and i do think there is a there was a lot of years on this show to try to portray her as that well and a lot of that was by the, at the hand of jen sure I think Jen played a big role in it, but like, I, yeah, I, so I can understand the frustration to a certain extent. Yeah. I don't think she should be vocalizing it like this. This is crazy. Maybe in this moment, take a step back. Yeah. Lisa goes, somebody told Henry last week, there's naked pictures online of your mom. Henry lost his mind. He called me hysterically crying. He's in the fifth grade. And Whitney, <laughs> Whitney in her confessional, Lisa's reaction is shocking to me. I had no idea she was harboring so many fillings from last year. <laughs> so had, many fillings. She went to the do- to the dentist and got her fillings. Oh, my God. It's because of all the Taco Bell and Diet Coke. Yes. 
but Lisa, read the room. The timing is not right. Uh, yeah, this whole, the, this strategy session by this uh, alliance was like a mess. It was it's such a mess. It's like everyone was pissed that someone else was advocating for somebody else on the other side. Like, oh my God. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what was happening. <laughs> we then go to Meredith in the car. Uh, driving with a goggled Brooks who's driving, which I was like, what? Like, take the goggles off. Like, you're in a car. Well, and then she calls calls attention to it later on. She's like, I love that you're wearing the goggles as sunglasses. He goes, thanks. <laughs> I love that you have a 40-inch po- ponytail to go snowshoeing. Also, snowshoeing? That's a thing? Apparently. I was like, there's, there's got to be a word for it. No, it's just called snowshoeing. I, I mean, I've heard of snowshoes, like the little shoes that you wear to walk through the snow, but I didn't know that was an activity. Right. And, okay, so now this part. I was, I was so confused by this editing decision that I was genuinely baffled. So Meredith's like, it's been a rough couple. It's been, sorry, I got to do my other voice. It's been a rough couple of days. <laughs> um, she talks about how she was leaving Lisa's party with her friend, the blonde woman that was there. Uh-huh. And that they got on the road and there was like a massive snowstorm and they had lost control of the car at a certain point. And there was like a snow bank on one side and then like the cliff on the other. Right. And they essentially thought that they were going to go over the cliff. Right. Horrific. Terrifying. And, like, he, the driver, like, was able to get control enough, and they crashed into, like, a snowbank. And it's, like, she's describing it, and there's, like, the dramatic music and, the like, the wide shots, you know, whatever. And then they cut to the the actual shot of Meredith's car, like, in the snowbank. Like, it clearly, like, crashed into the snowbank. And then we just hear the music, like, do, 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 do. Like, comical music in the background. And then the lower third said, Meredith's accident in, in quotations. quotations what it, it was almost like because the way that they were framing it i thought that the, they were trying like it was very akin to the whole um and people were making this comparison online too the whole erica talking about yeah. tom's accident or he landed in somebody's backyard or something. I don't know what that, that was a crazy thing. But like, why are we comparing these? Like, I, this was clearly something that like they're playing into the narrative. I feel like what it is is that they're playing into the narrative that like you know Whitney was bringing up about how Meredith uses these moments as like you know fodder to get out of things. And I'm like, this actually, but again, this was valid and this was worthy of that. And also, like, like, did you see Meredith was, like, pissed about it and, like, tweeted about it? No. She, and she said, I was in a horrible car accident years ago when I was catapulted out of a car and knocked unconscious. I lost a dear friend in that accident. Like, that could be really fucking triggering if that happens again. Right. I thought this was really fucked up on production's part. And yeah. she's, like, crying in the confessional about it as they're playing do-do-do, like, me, like, in the back. I'm like, what? Like, I just... This was, this went beyond, you know, I know that we've talked about how Salt Lake City feels like it's a parody of Housewives, but this felt like we went beyond it being a parody and it started to be where we were now making fun of these women. For yeah. Actually it's like, they're still humans. <laughs> like, like, I don't, 
what are we doing here? Uh, and then we just transition into the scene that like Meredith asking about like Brooks dating. And like, we just like go, move past it, I guess. And like, so I guess, cause Brooks just broke off a relationship, his first like major relationship. <laughs> Meredith goes, it was a great first relationship. He was fun. And you know, you know, moving on. <laughs> well, and I, 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 Again, like we talked about earlier, this is the first time that it's actually officially been an, like confirmed on camera that Brooks is not straight. Like we don't know if he's gay. Well, he. What was but, so interesting is that like Meredith and him kept using like he pronouns to where right. that's how we figured it out. But Erica Fussell, she goes, watching Brooks navigate his first relationship is incredible, and now Brooks has become more secure in his own being it's like just say he's gay like what well and then he later then says like he calls this ex a boyfriend yeah right and then like we go from like tiptoeing around to brooks then like almost alluding to getting turned out on the weekends yeah. like it's like what are you talking about they get out of the car to go snowshoeing and Meredith get, they're trying to get the snowshoes on and Meredith goes, maybe you should stretch a little more often and brooks goes Trust me, I get stretched all the time. It's like, Jesus, Brooks, that's your mother. <laughs> Holy fuck, dude. And then they get their snowshoes on. It's like, okay, let's go. And then Brooks, we we were laugh crying for what felt like five minutes. We literally had to stop the episode so that we could like scream because we were laughing so he hard. has such he has so much sugar in his tank as he's like prancing in these <laughs> snowshoes and just like the i'm sorry I, I get it stereotype but like the limpest of wrists like just like like this uh do you know the gift of the the person like like tiptoeing through the rain with like the grocery bags and, like, that's what it looked like to me. And I can't get any other image in my head. Like, that's just all I can think of when I see this. It's like, this man is auditioning for the sugariest, sugariest of the sugar plum fairies. <laughs> like, he is auditioning for Prancer uh, uh, as part of Santa's reindeer. Like, the, he is the fruitiest of Fruit Loops. I, I don't know any other way to say it. Oh, my God. I just, it was the most flamboyantly flamboyant thing I have ever flamboyanted. And I, it made my heart so happy. I, I literally was crying laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so then we go to this seat. So Monica and her mom are taking her grand, Monica's grandmother to a senior center. To like do like they're playing like cards and stuff like that. It's I don't feel like we've seen this kind of a scene on Housewives before. I don't either. Also, it was a jarring switch from this past scene. I know, right? But yeah, it was. It was her mother. Her grandmother's hilarious to me because I love how just like she just does not take shit and is just so stern the whole time at all. Um, Monica's uh, mom tells her about how you know she went on a date recently but got ghosted. And uh, she goes, I told him that even though I'm not Mormon anymore, I st I'm still celibate. I don't believe in sex before marriage. And Monica's like, well, that was it. And like, but also Monica talks in her confessional, like, it's kind of confusing that like she's still following the doctrine, but has left the church. Like somehow, I think it makes her feel like she's like a better person in a certain sense. And then we get this kind of really 
um, negatives, like, like the nastier sides of Monica's mom, which I liked Monica's mom in the first scene, but to hear all this, I'm like, yeah, it was rough. Yeah. Uh, she goes, uh, her mom goes, do you want to raise the girls in the church? Because I believe wholeheartedly that those girls need Jesus. They need church. They need to learn how to pray. And Monica goes, okay, stop. Because when you left the church, you came to me and apologized for raising me in the church. Her mom goes, no, I didn't. <laughs> she goes, yes, you absolutely did. <laughs> She's like, I don't remember that. And Monica goes, well, that's wild. Cause I will never forget it. <laughs> like there's a, like it was so like, there's a trauma there that I find like oh, that yeah. I didn't notice originally that like I find and I mean it's an interesting dynamic for a reality show but it was it also was cringy in many regards because oh, yeah, it's yeah. like I I I've I haven't had that relationship with my parents but like the where you're trying to maintain some good stuff from like a from a relative or something mm-hmm. like it's like ugh. um uh, Monica's mom goes, it's a joy to be the spiritual leader of your family. We went to church every Sunday and Monica goes, and guess what? Your daughter still got knocked up at 19. Like it was very much like bring it down a notch. Uh, Monica goes, you're literally saying if you don't go to church every Sunday, I'm raising my kids wrong. I do more with my kids than you ever did with me. And that is a fact. And Monica's mom goes, I was a single parent making almost no money. Monica goes, I was a single parent. I was on food stamps. I was on state assistance. I was making six twenty five an hour. And her mom then goes, we need to stop having a pissing contest. And you were like, you're the one that started pissing. That's such a, like, uh, yeah. She goes, I'm your mother. I'm not your equal. There has to be a boundary here. It's like, I, she was giving uh, Mama Joyce a run for her money. I think in the way she like twists arguments and like, yeah. We're arguing about one thing, and then it becomes, like, the power grab, and then it becomes, like... Yeah, like, I just, I get really sick of, like, parents on Housewives that don't understand that once your child is an adult, you no longer have control over them. Yeah. And you need to let that go. It, it Like, and especially how they, when they have children. Like, like the idea right. that you can dictate, like, I don't know, it's... Ugh. Monica brings up how, you know, okay, well, if we're going to talk about boundaries, let's set some boundaries now. How about the fact that you walk into my house just like completely unannounced? I can be having 69 on the couch and we would never be the same again. (laughs) (laughs) That was the most hilarious thing I've ever seen in my life. And And then Monica brings up this story about how her mom was on the phone with her and like she thought the call, her mom thought the call had dropped, but it didn't. So Monica was still hearing her and she was going, you fucking piece of shit. I hate your fucking guts. You fucking bitch. I fucking can't stand you. And it's like, fuck. Oh, but you go to church every Sunday. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the love of Christ in her. So, so you think it's fine to hold hate for your daughter in your heart. And cuss her out, even if you weren't, even if she's not hearing it, you're still cussing her out, right? Yeah. But you think staying celibate until you're married is going to get you back? It's going to change anything. Yeah. Like your priorities are so fucking twisted. Like, when will people get it through their heads that they can believe that they're doing all the right things within themselves all day, every day, but 
really and truly the measure of how who you are as a person is how you treat other people. Yeah. Has shit to do with what you do for yourself. Yeah. I did love as Monica's like relaying this story. Her grandmother in the distance goes, Nikki, in this place you don't talk dirty. <laughs> Monica goes, that was your daughter saying that. And then her grandmother goes, I don't care who is. No dirty here. <laughs> she don't take any bullshit. <laughs> But also, it's not her grandmother's home. Like, sure. it's her, like, she lives there, but she's not in charge. Yeah. But Monica puts in the way of, like, I could never imagine saying any of that to my children, no matter, like, how mad I was at them. So, like. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's like, I, there are just certain things that, like, you can't say to a child, even, grown or not, or right. whatever. Like, there's a, there should be a relationship there where it's like, that should never leave your fucking mouth. Right. Whether she's there or not. Like, yeah, that, that's something that needs to be explored. Um, we then go to Heather and Whitney as they're going skiing and snowboarding. I noted to you, how many, in the four seasons of this show, how many fucking events has it been like, let's go skiing and snowboarding? Well, they're in Salt Lake City. And it's like, are there, that, are, are there enough places in Salt Lake City to do that? I guess, but. I, it's, it's pretty much all there is there. Yeah. And then just like random shopping and like, <laughs> like there's like three months out of the year where it's not snowy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Heather brings up how she mentioned to Lisa about Jack's mission. Heather goes, "I was like, why didn't you want to tell me? I know more about missions than anyone here." Because <laughs> she's the only one that's been on one. Yeah, it's like that's a way to put it. When he goes, it seems like a sore spot for you. Does it bug you? And Heather goes, it doesn't bug you. When he goes, I don't really care. Like honestly, good for him. <laughs> Heather goes. Good for him? Why? And as she's having this conversation, she just grabs some snow off of the ground and starts eating it. I'm like, I gave you the hot cocoa thing. <laughs> That's weird. Well, what was getting me with this one was that it was snow right at the bench. Yeah. it's like So there's like, you've had people's feet on that snow. Mm -hmm. People have spat on that snow. Like... People have face planted in that snow. It's it's nasty snow. That's not good snow. No. It's no good. Whitney's God. Whitney says, I think he's doing what thinks is good for him in his life. And Heather goes, And you don't have any like global feelings about that in terms of like the Mormon church? And then Heather goes off in her confessional and goes, Whitney saying good for him makes no sense. It's absurd. How can this church be this horrible traumatic thing that ruins your life that you wrote a letter to get away from, but also be good for him to go out and convert more people to live it? I understood Heather's point more this episode. And I, while I don't think she can do anything, I don't think it's her place to like tell Lisa or Jack to not go on this mission. I also understand why her opinion is the way it is. And I get like, like the tactic, like the, the question of what Heather can do is aside in this. right. She just has an opinion about it, that it's not healthy. And I, it's not, I think that she has the right to number one, like you're saying, hold the opinion, right? Right. She has the right to also be frustrated with Whitney. Right. Which she gets to. Um, but then she also has the right, I think, to say something to Lisa. Like, at, in a, in a, say something. Not say everything you're thinking. Right. But, like, there is a conversation that could be had. And Heather said, like, in previous episodes, like, I don't think Lisa realizes that he might not come back the same. Right. And I think that that's the conversation, right? right. It should be a conversation of, look, 
I'm not telling you how to raise your kid. At the end of the day, you're going to do what you feel is right. And you're going to coach him in the direction that you think he should go. Yeah. All I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my perspective on this. And as I'm the only person in this friend group who has been on a mission, I want you to know from my experience what happens on these missions and what it is like living this for two years. So, well, I mean, year and a half for her because women have lesser missions than men, I guess. <laughs> and they just, just everything is just sexist in that. <laughs> it's so fucking bigoted. I can't. But, uh, like, I also understand Lisa's incentive to not want, just be like, I'm going to table this conversation because, like, I, I think Lisa knows what Heather's opinion is and knows. I think Lisa holds that opinion. And isn't willing to admit it. Right. I do kind of feel that sense. Yeah. Like, maybe not to the same degree that Heather does. But she's trying to not ruin the relationship with her kid, which I get. I understand. I actually think that that's probably the healthy way to handle it. But I also think that when your kid's an adult, you then say, or nearing adulthood, I'm not sure. But you know what I mean. Right. Like, at this point, it's a, look, this is what I think. This is how I feel about it. But at the end of the day, you're my kid. And I'm going to support you no matter what you choose. And this is your relationship. This is, or not, well, relationship with God. This is your religion. This is your faith. Right. So if you decide this is the road you want to go down, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. This is my misgivings. Yeah. Heather says. Is that the right word, misgivings? Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Heather goes, I had to convince people who didn't want to change their lives to join the Mormon church. And I feel shame about that. Like it was it. So she's like, like, it's also the mission process that's making me like, right. Because you're converting people. You're like dragging people in. It's one thing if it's your religion, it's like, you know, and she goes, if he was recruiting for another institution that had the same issues, we would not be like, I don't care to each its own. And when he goes, what do you expect me to do? Go knock on the door and be like, stop this. Which I agree, you can't, but like, yeah. Um, Heather goes off. She's like, I feel like we're not being honest about the church's history, that it's homophobic. It doesn't acknowledge any sort of transgender. It just says it doesn't exist. It's sexist. It's misogynistic. It's bigoted. And it has a horrible racist history. I mean, not even just history. Like, uh, there are a few things that I know about Mormonism. One of them is that they have a a belief that only 144,000 will get into heaven. Yeah. They also believe that any black Mormons will be turned white in heaven. Yeah. Like there it's fucked up. And it's like it we kind of have that we won't get into like the the meat of it. But I feel like it it reminded me of like some discussions we have sometimes about like politics where right. it's like when you're if you believe in certain tenets, if you believe that that and, and also believe that certain things are evil and certain things are wrong morally and et cetera, like you have to live in right. that to the best of your abilities. Obviously, no one's perfect, but like I think that's what that's what I got from Heather here. Yeah. She's like, if I believe all of these things, if I and, and she doesn't say it here, but she's like, if and I know I feel like this is her belief, if I believe this is a cult. Right. And I believe there there is danger right. involved in this. That I'm going to warn somebody that I love about that danger. Yeah. It's like you can be – you. we can live and let live as much as we want, but it's like there's also and, – and we don't have to, like, proselytize ourselves on our right. opinions, like, in the same way. But I think it's not – there's nothing wrong with being vocal about it. Right. Well, and I think that 
I, I think that there's nothing wrong with being Mormon. Again, we've talked about right. the difference between being an individual and being part of an institution. I think the institution has a lot to answer for, but I also think that individual Mormons, if they want to move into the 21st century, you know, because um, there are plenty that are like there, there needs to be an overhaul, right? There needs to be an overhaul of the belief system, right? It like at the very least, you got to get updated on racism. Like, <laughs> like that's like, like, like century, a few, maybe not centuries, but like, you know, there's been a, enough time for you to fix that problem. Yeah. The trans thing I can maybe like, <laughs> like I, I get that that's a newer conversation. It's only decades old. Yeah. Not to say that trans like, people haven't existed. For, right. They've you know. existed since the dawn of time, but like, like you just, I just, I don't update things. I understand that the tenets were written in a time when that was the normal belief. Right. You have to update those. It's like, it, it, same thing with the fucking laws and constitution and all of that shit. I can't be expected to govern my life in 2023 by what some powder wigs in 1776 thought was a good idea. Yeah, exactly. Like, we have to update it to 2023. That's why we have the ability to make amendments like to we the used constitution. To, we used to shit in the drinking water. Like, and like, we realized that wasn't a good idea. We, we stopped drinking water downstream from the shithole. Like, yeah. we got to move upstream for that. Uh, Heather and her conversation goes, look, I know the, these are not everyone's feelings about the church, but they, I know that they are Whitney's. We have had these conversations. Right. And so for her to be, like, passive about this annoys me. And Heather says, I feel like I walk into a room and everyone just assumes I'm their enemy. And I think that's kind of how Lisa felt. And then Whitney then tells Heather, Lisa kind of going off at Angie's house by being upset that she invited Angie over and all this stuff. Heather goes, she got mad Angie came to my house. And Whitney goes, I think she was, like, jealous. Like, she was butthurt. Yeah. And Heather's face as we end the episode of her just going, ah, like, like her hot face is like so funny to me. I, I will say that I don't get why Heather is confused as to why Lisa is upset. I know. Heather has some, some inroads that she needs to make with Lisa. She has a lot of repair to that relationship that needs to happen. There's some things on both sides, right? Sure. But like, like most things, there's things on both sides, but, um, here heather has a lot of ground to cover and if she's not if she's she can't be confused as to why lisa would want you know right yeah, like yeah. heather's extending an olive branch to the greek person but um but not bye <laughs> but she's not extending one to her and she's been around as a friend for longer like for four years now at this point yeah like, just on the show. And they go back to college, right? Like, I think so. Yeah. Like, so, like, I can understand why Lisa's upset. Do I think it was appropriate to bring it up at that time? No. No, of course not. <laughs> but I also think that, you know, it's ex it it's kind of expected that Lisa would feel that way. Yeah. Uh, so that was Salt Lake City for this week. Really good episode. Um, let's move in to the final part of the Real Housewives of Orange County reunion. Speaking of people who uh, ask uh, questions and then answer them immediately. <laughs> Shannon Storms Bador. Shannon Storms Bador. Um, so this was great. I like, like and, and it seems that now the trend is like two-part reunions. I feel like that's going to be a thing. I think that's better. Yeah, I think, I think that's 
it, there wasn't a lot of fluff that you know you would normally get, and the extended versions do enough. I, when you watch them on Peacock. I feel like that's correct with Orange County. I still will push back that I think that Atlanta had a little bit too much to fit into two episodes, but not quite enough for three. Yeah. I'm weird. Like, I, my question is when they do it with Beverly Hills. I could, I can't envision Beverly Hills being two parts. Or, like, you know. I, you know, it might be. We're in a different era. We don't have Lisa Renna anymore. We don't have, like, Diana's not that. back this season. <laughs> like, so, I mean, it's going to be, I think, a lot easier to get through things this season. Well, who knows? There's probably going to be an entire fucking episode of the reunion devoted to the Morgan thing. Sure. Like, who knows? Yeah, so we cut, we kick back in after the whole because we left off at the Shannon Gina. So fight. Orange County, yeah. <laughs> the other California. We left off with the Shannon and Gina fight over the CPS comment. Shannon goes, "Can I address the CPS thing again? Because clearly I'm not being clear. You know, I am very sorry, and but I also want to clarify. I was never trying to insinuate that your kids would be taken away from you." And then Gina, Gina says, we have to be careful with the words that we choose to say at the end of the day. And she's like, yes, I understand that completely. And I just want to let, I just want you to know it wasn't my intention and I'm sorry. They then take a break. And this, I love this from Heather. Heather then like reassuring Gina because Gina's still like crying and stuff like that. And Heather's like, you were really strong. Like you feel better that you got it out. Gina shakes her head no. And Heather goes, no, because there's no real apology. There never is. Yep. It's so true though. Like. It was so, that was the, such the frustration. It's like, just give an honest apology and stop getting wrapped up in the fucking detail, Shannon. Yeah. Like, it's so like, ooh, just be a human being. Like, and, and yeah, she's, and even then, like, Gina is still crying. Like, Heather's like comforting. Shannon's just going, it's a little, it's a little hot in here, isn't it? It's a little hot. And it's like, just like, be like, Gina, I'm sorry. Or like, show, like, show that you care. I mean, it's clear she doesn't. Because, like, she's made it more well, than known. she's made it more than clear that she does not like her. I don't like you. I don't like you. Uh, well, the feeling's mutual. <laughs> Heather tells Gina, there's just some people that are never wrong. And Gina goes, and it's like, how can you be right if they're never wrong? Like, I just have to, like, move on from this. There was an extended part in the bonus thing where they actually then go to lunch or whatever. Uh, Sh- Shannon is, like, whispering to, like, the attendant as, like, she's walking around. I'm doing a horrible job. I'm, I'm fucking it up. Fucking it up. It was like, that was interesting. Yeah. Like, I th- like the, I guess that Shannon acknowledged that, like, this wasn't gonna going well for her. At, le- at least she's aware. <laughs> like, because, I mean, it was clear to all of us. I would be interested to see what happens over the next week with Shannon yeah. leading up to her DUI. Because I have a feeling that, like, all of this is happening. And she's, like, she's going to over the next week is going to be spiraling, yeah. right? Because it's not that she just randomly got drunk and decided to drive. That's probably not what happened. Shannon is a serial spiraler. spiraler. Yeah, and I don't think she leaves this reunion in a good place with herself. No, I don't think like, so it was, either. It was just really sad, her stuff. Like, it was like... And what's really sad is I think that if she would... Because she's feeling all of that within herself, but if she would admit that out loud... yeah. She would get what the support and the love back from the other girls they that say she it at needs. A cer- they say that at a certain point. It's just like, trust in us to support you. Yeah. Like, you know, but it's like you're not willing to do that. No, know? no, not at all. 
Um, we get to we go back on stage and we do the Shannon package for all her stuff. We come back from the package and it starts with Andy does ask the question. Shannon goes, "I'm so excited to dive into this. It's just been so disappointing to me, Heather, that you and I spent time before we started filming, and Terry and you would spend time with John and I. And I thought we were forging a true friendship. And right before filming started, less fingers than I have on this hand." I would have conversations with you when we were in an argument and you said, you know, you should bring this up on camera. And I said, Heather, I want this relationship to work. You realize you're telling on yourself when you say that, though? It's like you're admitting what everyone's been accusing you of, which is that you aren't sharing this shit on camera. Like, you're not, like, and it's like, it's also one thing to, like, I guess you you admit at the very least that you're vocalizing it to Heather, but, like, you need to vocalize this stuff to fix it. But, like, I I also love how she says less than the number on this hand. So, like, less than five. So, four? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's still a lot of conversations for you to be having <laughs> with her about this. Exactly. It's like, come on. Um, Shannon's like, well, and Gina, I will say this. Like, I apologize to you and, uh, for saying that you owe John an apology. Because, you know, Heather said that you were talking about my relationship, that Emily was talking about it, that Tamara were talking about my relationship. The only person that I ever discussed my relationship with was you, Heather. And Heather goes, that's not true. Like, and even, and everyone, even Emily's like, no, we've had like long conversations, Shannon, about your relationship. And then why are we still at this point? Well, and then Shannon's like, oh, well, no, that was in 2020. As if that invalidates that conversation. Yeah. It's like... (sighs) But also, it's like, uh, like learn a little bit from how bad that costume party fight was. Where it's like, no, we keep saying you had conversations with us, that you were drunk and you called us. Like, at a certain point, you have to, like, not, like, I think you're lying. And I get an incentive of why you're trying to lie. But now at this point, it's like, it's been exposed. Like, don't tr- quadruple down when we know the truth. Yeah. Uh Andy asked, you know, was there something that Heather said on camera? And Shannon goes, nope. She did it all off camera. Heather goes, I'm so manipulative. Oh, my God. But also, like, she did it off camera. So why are you mad? Right. It's not any different than what you did off camera. Well, because to me, like, the off camera thing. Well, well, she gets into it of how it, like, affects the producer. But if it's, like, if she's just talking to other people off camera, she she says, you told people off camera, Shannon and John's relationship, it's not good. But I can't tell you what it is because it's in the vault. It's like, okay, but all those people that she may have told that, according to you, if I believe you, already thought your relationship was shit. Already were worried about you in terms of the relationship. So what does that change? I just, I don't understand why you can be mad at Heather when Heather didn't bring it up on camera. And Heather didn't force anyone else to bring it up on camera. Yeah. Even if all of that is true, right? Even if Heather was the one that went around and went to Emily, went to Gina, went to Jen, went to Tamara and said, all of this bad things about Shannon's relationships, those women then made the active choice to bring it up on camera. Right. So why are you mad at Heather. Well, and also, I don't believe that she said, I can't tell you because it's in the vault. The the whole vault thing, Heather didn't ever say, I don't believe anything where you said, where they say, Heather said the word vault. Because Tamara was the one, well, Tamara and Shannon were the one, the first to introduce the concept of a vault. Right. 
like Tamara asked about, does she hold things close? And Shannon says, yeah, she puts things in the vault. I, then I don't believe that she used those phrases in these conversations. Right. Because later we, we hear, uh, Heather make a comment about how she's never going to talk about something that Shannon had told her. And the phrasing that she uses is, and I will always hold that close and it will never be talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's her phrasing. Exactly. Shannon's like, it makes people think the worst. And Heather goes, but on camera, like she's talking about when Shannon was getting set up for her party. On camera, I said it back to you and I told you it's nothing bad like that. So like, I whatever, whatever I said in private, I went on fucking camera and filmed a scene with you where I t- said... It's not that bad. It's not like you're saying I'm making it seem bad. I am telling you in front of a camera, it is not these terrible, horrible, awful things. So what do you want from me? Uh, Shannon says, you know, we would argue. And Andy goes, so arguments that left you paralyzed is what you said, basically. And then Shannon breaks down and goes, yes, because what would happen is he would leave and he would ghost me and I wouldn't speak to him for days and it would be paralyzing to me because I have never been more in love with anyone in my life than I have with John Jansen. And I'm like, oh, God, this is bad. Like that's not normal. That's not healthy. Also, like. You want to say it's normal relationship stuff. Sure, maybe that's the things that the fights were about. But the way that he responds it's to not, those fights yeah. is abusive. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, When she said that, I was like, fuck, this is... And she's just bawling and her makeup's running and it's like, oh, it was terrible. And then she talked about how John was like, you know, we, you know I'm ready to take the next step. Uh you know, and then Tamara is like, he was saying what he wanted to say on camera, like, and then like string him along. And Andy's like, what the, f-? like, like, that's a, ter- like, maybe his intentions weren't good, but we're good by that. I don't know. But like, like, again, it's, it, it's so crushing. And it's like, Shannon was never going to take that well. Shannon was never going to take a breakup well, but the worst thing to do with Shannon is to like dangle that. Yeah. Well, and the the frustrating thing is is that, and I've I feel like I've been saying this for a while, is that Shannon was settling for John because at least he was better than David. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, but he's still not good enough, Shannon. That's still that's still abuse, sweetie. Yeah, that's not okay. Like I don't. How do you not see that? Heather says, look, Shannon, do you really believe I was this like Machiavellian behind the scenes? And Shannon goes, I do, Heather. And Heather goes, please don't get angry with me. You tend to drink and call some of us. And Shannon goes, that's a fucked up thing to say to me. Heather goes, it's not. You're the town crier. Like, like which is so true. It's like, you can't be mad at them. For you know, and Shannon goes, and this aged like spoiled milk. Shannon goes, <laughs> for you to say I need rehab to paint a picture that I'm calling people every single night. Gina goes, you don't want to look at that at all, Shannon. Shannon goes, you don't know anything about my in-depth personal life. And Gina goes, then why are you? What are you doing here? Like the, the I I love Gina being like you keep acknowledging I don't like you we're not friends you don't know anything about me but I've been on this show with you for 5 years at this point and like like if we're going to tear the fourth wall down like 
if I don't know anything about you, then neither does the audience, at which point, why are you continuing to be on camera? Right. She goes, let me reiterate, Gina, I don't like you. It's like, we get it. <laughs> Emily goes, you share things with people. Emily kind of tells Shannon off. It goes, you share things with people you are on a show with while filming a reality show. You act like you don't understand how this works. And Gina makes a point of like, it's kind of our job to bring this up. Like, because if we're like, we have to talk about what is going on in our lives and particularly within this friend group. So if you are drunk calling me at 3 a.m. crying about John, like I need at a certain point, I need to talk about it. Right. It's not fair to do this like batshit crazy shit behind the scenes. And then expect other people to keep those secrets right. on a reality show. It's fucked up for to do in normal life and ask people to keep those secrets in normal life. But it's really fucked up when you're doing it on reality television. Because at that point, not only are you ha calling into question their morals, right? Right. But also you're calling into question their paychecks. At this point, right? Yeah. Because Bravo has made it known that when you hide shit on this scale, they don't put up with it. Yeah. You lie to Bravo and you go home. Yeah. Andy asks, oh, this got so frustrating because Andy asked like this same question like four different times and it never really gets answered. He basically asked like, why when everyone had these private conversations about Shannon's relationship, why it got put on Heather by Tamara? And then it just turns into this like crosstalk thing. Like everyone's talking and Tamara, this is where Tamara thrives in that she just gets off scot-free from these things because she's caused enough chaos, right? She knows that Shannon's such a chaotic person that she'll spiral and Emily's very loud and opinionated and gina also is like that as well to where it's like she just lets those players kind of like yell at each other and she can avoid the question yeah and she the we said it throughout the season the amount of time she just shrinks into the background in certain yeah. moments she drops a bomb and backs away yeah Shannon reiterates that she told Gina, uh, she was told by Heather that Gina was talking about her relationship and apologized to Gina and Gina goes, so then why don't you like me? Shannon goes, from the beginning of you starting on this show, when I was going through my acrimonious divorce, you said I masked with alcohol. You did. And you do now. Yep. Clearly. Like, it's obvious. And Gina goes, our job is to say how we feel. And Shannon goes, my job is to be Shannon Storm's Bador. <laughs> and Gina just goes, you're Badoring it up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was a good line. Uh, Shannon goes, do you know what I've done on reality TV? I took my shirt off when I gained 42 pounds. I'm the first housewife that delved into infidelity, which we were both like, what? I, I think there was infidelity no. before. I get the, like you showed like the therapy sessions and stuff like that. And, and I think I get her point was just to be like, don't say that I'm hiding shit when I'm very. And I agree that Shannon has been. And it's what I've always loved about Shannon. I felt that Shannon was always very forthcoming with things and wore her emotions on her sleeve and was honest to a fault. I will agree with you. I always felt like that was true until this season when yeah. it has become blatantly obvious that she's been hiding all this shit. But I think it's I think it's a new phenomenon. I've settled on the fact that it's a new phenomenon with this John relationship. Okay. I think there's something, you know what I mean? I think there's something toxic there. Yeah. And I think 
like Shannon, like you, like what you said that like with the whole rebounding from the David stuff to where that's causing her to hide this stuff. I don't think it's her natural being. To yeah. Act like okay. This. I think all the stuff before where she was honest is still honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Andy asked, how, you know, how was it Heather's fault when Emily and Tamara both brought up, you know, brought out that Heather said something on camera, like Emily and Tamara, whether Heather said something off camera, they brought that onto camera. Right. Emily explains that basically what happened was that Heather said this at Gina's house. They were filming and then cameras went down at a certain point and they were discussing, you know, Shannon's relationship. And Heather had said, when are you guys going to start following the real relationship? And she kind of, I feel like she said it as if she said that to a producer. Well, I mean, that's the only way that that phrasing of it made sense. Right. And Heather goes, that is true. And we have all said that. That, But like, I, Heather's point is like, we were already discussing that Shannon wasn't honest with her relationship. Right. And that she was hiding stuff on camera and that we had an issue with it. Also. So just for the fact that I said that. Why does it matter that she direct, like, let's, let's just agree that she directed that comment at a producer yeah as y'all were sitting around talking that means you were already sitting around talking about this in front of producers exactly so why is it squarely on heather and we had the scene where emily was hanging up the phone with shannon before a party and then she was talking to the producers being like shannon's not honest about shit and she hides shit so it's like like you guys were all like, it's fine that you all were frustrated. I agree with you all being frustrated, but it's like it, Heather talks about it. It's like, it's just the fact that it gets pinned on me. Right. Is the issue. Emily asks, are you together? Her and John and Shannon goes, no, we're not together. And I don't know why you said that. Shannon's like, do I look back at certain scenes and see that, you know, he's checked out? Absolutely. But I'm embarrassed. Uh, I'm sorry. It's just the answer. The question, asking a question of yourself and then answering it. Yeah, yeah, that's it's yeah. it's just it's the way that she speaks. It's really, I mean, it was sad though because she's just like, yeah. you know, she really this fucked her up. I think in many yeah. ways. Shannon tells Annie they're not back together, and Annie goes, "But you're posting with him on social media." Tamara says, "I keep telling her that's not a good idea that you're hanging out with him so much and like all that." Jen goes, "That has to be so confusing for you." This broke my heart. Shannon says. You know, both of my kids have left for college. My daughter told me if I go out and spend the night with someone instead of being home alone. And I'm like, that crushed me because it was like. But then go out with Tamara. Yeah. It's a go out with friends, whatever. But it's like, that also says something, Shannon, that your daughters are like so worried about you being home alone. Right. And you being depressed and like that. I don't know. That hurt me to a certain extent of like. Yeah, it 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 was it's sad to see, and it really feels like she's spiraling, and it really feels like, you know, like if she gets into like an AA, like that's being reported. I think that part is also good. I think she also needs, like, Doctor Moon is great, but like, go to a therapist. Like, you need like yeah deep therapy to fix this stuff. Um, Tamara's like you. I think you need to cut ties. Like, and we're not talking about a colonic. There, yeah. Tamara or a sitalonic. Tamara's like, I think you two need to cut ties. I think it needs to be a clean break. And I give Tamara this. That is the correct advice. Yeah. And I do feel Tamara, in terms of the John, Shannon John stuff, I think is well intentioned. It yes. comes off to me. Yes, I agree. Um, 
a viewer question is asked, if John was a private person, why was he choosing to date you an established cast member on a reality show? And Shannon goes, it's a valid question. What's his name? And Andy goes, Stephen from Vancouver. And she goes, Stephen, it's a valid question. I, I was so like confused with that because she's, she asked the, his name like she was going to sit and have an actual addressing this person. <laughs> yeah. And then she just goes, yeah, I'm just going to repeat what I said a second ago. Well, like, you know you know that Shannon loves to like just name full names. Tamara Judge and Heather <laughs> DeBrow, and she just wants the full identification. <laughs> Shannon says that this was that was actually specifically one of the conversations that she had with Heather in private. And she says, I didn't know the definitive answer because I had cast members saying, you know, when the camera turns on, this guy lights up. So that she was vocalizing this to Heather. She admits that. Um. The, another viewer question gets asked of, oh my God, it gets asked, why can't you understand that Tamara is the root of all the gossip about your relationship? Why are you giving her a pass? Tamara then says, I haven't said anything about her relationship this year. And me and Merlin simultaneously went, bullshit. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I can't believe she could blatantly say that. <laughs> like... <laughs> Even, it was just even Emily, who's been riding for her hard, goes, Well, you did a little. <laughs> like I mean, like the full scenes at cut and like, you know, all this come on. Heather's like, I just don't understand why it was misplaced towards me. I didn't go around telling everybody. And Tamara goes, I didn't say that. Why don't you listen to what I said? Andy goes, Yeah, you did say that. <laughs> what? <laughs> Tamara goes, no, I said I thought you had a smoking gun, but then watching the show, you didn't say anything. That's, that is, you never said anything about a smoking gun. The conversation with the, the Trace Amigas reunion was you being like, Heather is going around saying that your relationship is shit. Literally. Word for word, that's what you said. Like, I can't believe that, the, like... You know, at a certain point, Andy just had to call her out for her lying. And she'd be like, no, you did say that. Well. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Um, Andy makes the, oh, Andy tries to make this interesting comparison about like, okay, but like compare how you treated Shannon. Like you, you, you think John's not good for, um, you think John's just not good for Shannon, but you think like Ryan's a bad guy. Compare like the two things when like how you treated Shannon versus how terribly you treated Jen. Right. Right. And she's like. And Tamara goes, I mean, there was evidence. There was no dick pics, no cheating. They would just get into these fights. And I was like, but the way the fights are being described that Shannon and John are having, I think it's kind of worse than Ryan and Jen. Right. I think it's worse than him, like, indiscriminately cheating on her and her kind of accepting it here and there, maybe, in the best case, in, in the worst case scenario. Here, these fights seem rather abusive. And like you said, the tactics that John uses of ghosting and stuff like, it's like, playing with someone's emotions in a way that to me that's grosser than any of the ryan jen stuff yeah completely um heather tells shannon i never pledged to not talk about your relationship what i promised you was the things that you told me that were hurtful i will never repeat and i never did that's and i love that she made that distinction you we still need to talk about your relationship but there were certain things that i held to my chest and so that's that's what I promised to you. Right. Heather's like, one of the things I thought I was holding close 
was the fat comment that Emily exposed in the confessional that John called her fat. And Shannon, I didn't understand what she was trying here. Shannon's like, that's the one thing John didn't do. And Emily goes, but you told me that. And Heather goes, and you also told me that. Shannon goes, if you mistook that. And Emily goes, how did we both mistake it? You both told us this story and we both got the same conclusion and right. we, mis- we both misinterpreted it. And then Shannon doesn't even have a good explanation. He goes, she goes, he would wake me up and say, why you got to be so pretty? That's a lie. Like, that's a lie. And you, and you really, at this point, you're covering for him. And, and right. that's the, you know, I believe, I, I actually believe that he said that to her. Yeah. Shannon says, you know, her fear of wearing a bathing suit, because Annie brings that up. You know, Annie asked, like, was this what Emily said that it was because of the John comment? And she's like, no, that is a Shannon issue. It's not a John issue. And then Shannon goes, clearly we're not together anymore. Andy goes, is he a friend with benefits? And Shannon goes, sometimes. What? So she, and, and that's what we were thinking. Because, like, I've been real uncomfortable, like, the photos, like, post the, the car crash. Yeah. Like, she's still hanging out with John. She, like... I don't like, I think she needs to cut it off completely. And I think it needs to separate and just like, and especially when her kid, when some of his kids don't like her. And yeah, it's like, just, it's so toxic. This whole like situation is toxic. And like, I just, at the end of the day, I have to think about Archie's well being, right? Like, yeah. you can't, I'm kidding. But like, <laughs> but like, Shannon's clearly like in distress. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's a lot of things that are going on that are attributing to that. But the biggest part of it is this non-breakup with John. Like, cut it off, get in rehab. Yeah. Period. End of story. <laughs> they go to break and Heather whispers to Andy, you know, the biggest tweet the whole season I got was, do you think Shannon's going to apologize to Heather? The answer is no. <laughs> like, yeah. clearly I'm not getting an apology. <laughs> we get Emily's package of her stuff. Um, we get a little bit more about like I was asking like what happened with her mother and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like the re- like the relationship's not consistent. Like you know, I just recently talked to her for the first time since December when she got came to OC. So like they film they ended filming around October, right? Because that was Halloween, right? And then she didn't show up in to visit till December, and then she hasn't talked to her since. Yeah, it's like that's yeah, that's really bad. Um, Andy asks Shannon how she feels about their friendship with Tamara and Emily. They're bonding. And Tamara goes, she doesn't love it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah. Shannon apparently asked Emily. Like, then this discussion happens about, like, the Trace Amigas live show. And that, like, Shannon asked, like, the cast, certain cast members not to be invited and stuff like that. And, like, Jesus Christ. Tamara goes, why didn't you just say, I didn't want you there. I don't like you. And Shannon goes, you need to stop putting fucking words in my mouth today. She got pissed at Tamara. <laughs> For the first time. Yeah. Uh, but Tamara's right. Like, you didn't invite Emily because you didn't like her. Shannon goes, no, I didn't want certain people. I didn't want Gina there. And Emily goes, well, you don't like Gina. You say it all the time. Exactly. Shannon, Shannon's like, I was just nervous. <laughs> like, it was a light. It's like, whatever. Okay. Like, uh Emily gets asked about that comment at Nobu about Heather having a phony relationship with Tamara. Tamara, Emily doesn't even answer. Tamara butts in and goes, I was told you were only friend that you said that you were only friends with me because you were afraid of me. And Heather goes, I never said it was the only reason why I've never gone against you is because I'm scared of you. And Tamara goes, you should be scared of me. Then what are you arguing about? 
Why were you so offended by that comment? If you're if you're in the position of you should be scared of me. I. Uh, Tamara doesn't, yeah. Some of the like direct fights, Tamara doesn't think through completely. Emily says that before Tamara came on, Heather had a lot of negative things to say about Tamara. Heather's like, that's not true. I didn't have a lot of negative things to say. Emily goes, you said she was an asshole. And then Heather goes, she is an asshole. (laughs) And I love you, but sometimes you're an asshole. And I feel like Tamara herself would admit she's an asshole. Yeah. So it's really not that bad of a comment. I agree. Heather and Tamara then start talking, and Emily gets pissed at this point. She's like, it's not even my package, apparently. You go ahead, Judy. Just keep fucking talking. It's like, Judy? (laughs) (laughs) Emily was... Emily... I didn't love Emily's performance this reunion. I thought she got a little too aggressive at times to where... I thought the first half was fine. I I didn't like this half. Um, Gina says, you know, I do think Emily's delivery is rougher this year and it doesn't always achieve, you know, what Emily wants out of a conversation. And then Emily's like, I think Heather, that you read me as malicious and Heather goes aggressive. I don't think you're malicious. Like, right. I think you just handle things inappropriately. Heather then brings up the HD event and how Emily acted. You know, she makes a comment like, well, at least it helped promote it. And then Emily goes, I should get a thank you note on HD stationery, which We'll get to it. Like, is a funny joke. It's it's a funny joke out of context. I think is the issue that they're missing with this whole Heather HD party. Right. Her being upset thing. Right. Because one, you know, Heather's like it was rude, and Tamara's like it was funny, and Jen's like I thought it was funny. It's a fun. Some of the stuff Emily's saying are funny jokes, but like it was in the context of Emily being belligerently drunk. Right. And. and you know, just complaining about everything. And piling on, not just in that moment, but in the context of the whole season. Yeah. Like, it was just, it was the cherry on top of a shit Sunday, And it's like, girl, the cherry's still going to be shitty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Emily goes, I say you look like a whale trainer, and then I hear from other people that you say I was an asshole and I should be fired. And then Heather goes, I never said that you should be fired. Emily then goes to Tamara and goes, you told me that she said that. Of course fucking Tamara did. All roads lead to Tamara. <laughs> As fucking Vicky says, telephone, tell a Tamara. Yeah. Tamara, Heather goes, Tamara, that is a lie, and I'm going to remind you what happened. You were texting me hideous things about Emily, and you went on Watch What Happens Live and went, you know who I love? I love Emily. And that's how apparently it started, which is so true. That's probably what Tamara did. Of course. Um, we get a, mo- a montage of, like, all the vacation moments from the two vacations. They have some discussion about K-Dog and his balls popping out. And that apparently it's uh, Jeff Lewis's co-host is his cousin. So that's how like the, the, the Je- like Jeff introduced. He's like, oh, yeah, we saw his balls. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, Shannon talks about her bony vagina. And they just at one point, Shannon's like, you want to feel it? And they just start like patting at her bony vagina. I, I didn't need this on Peacock. Like Andy was like disassociating at that point. <laughs> Um, we get the package now about the whole loser comments and sort of that debacle. Heather, Heather's like, okay, Tamara, you explain it first. Tamara's like, before we, you know, I got back on the show, Heather made a comment on her podcast that, you know, if anyone should be brought back, it should be Alexis Bellino. I love how jealous Tamara has like, has exposed how jealous Tamara has been about the lead up to her coming back when other people were being like, and she clearly still hates Alexis. And like, you know, it's like, 
But like, if they were smart, they'd bring her back. I love Alexis, and I want to see her and her trans uh, child and like that yeah. journey. Like, I think it would be a good story. Um, Tamara says that Heather said they'll never bring her back. That's why I say it. When Tamara was like, "Why do you keep not saying my name?" Heather said they'll never bring her back. That's why I say it. Tamara says, so I say, don't you want to do what's best for the show? And then Heather goes, what do you expect? I'm working with a bunch of fucking losers. Heather's like, that is not what happened. What happened was I was going around doing positive press saying, you know, it's a good, you know, it's a unit, blah, blah, blah. Everything's great. Tamara then said to me, Heather, really? And then I said, what do you want me to say? This is what they gave me to work with. And I feel like I've heard that. I, I, I either through the two T's stuff or I feel that is what Heather said because I feel like I've heard that well, that's comment her, before. Of course, that's more her verbiage. Like she's not going to say fucking idiots. That's not her. Like at least if you're going to make up a lie, learn how Heather speaks. Right. You have to narrate it properly. Like you can't if you can't come up with a lie in Heather's voice, then don't bother because yeah. it, her voice is so distinct that if you lie about it we know immediately yeah emily talks about the BravoCon comment and she relays the fact that she didn't apparently didn't hear it and i basically heard blah 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 said very mean things about you and i remember you were moving your 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 finger like this doing like the which that is heather (laughs) that's what i'm saying if i don't know if this is true but if it's a lie you got a good a good heather detail yeah and she goes and i asked what it was and you go no 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 I cannot say because it's in the vault. And Heather's like, I didn't say that. Like, I never said anything. I never used the word vault, first off. I I can understand if she was saying that and then she if she said it's in the vault and wink, she gave wink. if she gave quotation marks. Right. It's in the vault, right? Because at that point she's mocking the frustration of we have to hold all these secrets for Shannon. Yeah. That that I could totally hear coming out of Heather's mouth. That I will believe. Heather, but also it, Heather gets to it later about like why it doesn't make sense why Emily was so upset about that. Yeah. Heather tries to explain herself. And then em, this part, Emily just keeps like shouting over her and it just got, she, poor Heather, poor Heather, making yourself the victim. Tamara at one point goes, oh my God, do you have a whistle? Like, I mean, Heather said it earlier this season that Emily went to the Tamara School of Friendship. This is more evidence of that. Heather's like, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I knew I had fucked up and I shouldn't have said it. And then, but Heather says, instead of coming to me and saying, what did she say? Emily then goes, I didn't see you after that. Heather goes, yes, you did. Emily goes, it was at your party and I wasn't going to bring it up there. Heather goes, oh, but you brought it up to everyone else. And you made a big deal and a jerk of yourself, which is such a good point. You can't be like, I didn't want to cause a scene at this party. And then continue to make a scene about not making a scene. Yeah. Like, and Emily gets mad about her saying that she was a jerk at her party. It just goes, okay, in all HD events in the future, I will be boring and appropriate. It's like, Emily, I didn't understand why Emily couldn't cop to the idea that she acted wrong at the party. Yeah. Like, girl, like, it was embarrassing. Well, it was the same argument that, like, abusive assholes will say, like, oh, you mean I can't yell at you? Well, then I guess I'll just not say a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that, it's that bullshit. It, 
was the same argument, Emily. I didn't like it. Shannon asked Heather, well, do you maintain that we didn't have, you know, conversations? You know, you claim that Gina shouldn't have come back onto the show. And Heather's like, no, that's not what I, we were having hypothetical, like, what if discussions at the end of the season, like we all fucking do. The difference is my comments get pulled out and dissected. You're telling me you guys don't talk about this. And I was like, yes, Heather, tell them. The, I'm sure all of you fucking discuss, I want this person back next year. I don't want this person back next year. Oh, my God. I would never work with Noella. Oh, my God. Like, Kelly Dodd. Uh, you do that shit all the time. But even if, even, like, we have those conversations as fans, right? We're watching the show like, oh, well, what if Shannon comes doesn't come back? Yeah. Which I don't think she should. I think she should take the next year off. So what does the cast look like then? You know, do they promote Vicky back again? I don't think that's the right answer. I don't think Vicky ever needs to be a housewife again. I think friend of is the perfect spot for her. Right. Do they make Taylor a housewife? Maybe. That could maybe work. Who knows, though? We don't know what, like, level of commitment she wants. To. That's the kind of conversation that I feel like they were having. Yeah. Well, what if Gina doesn't come back? Okay, well, what would that look like? Well, Emily won't have her built-in friend. Like, okay, but what if Emily doesn't come back and Gina does? That'll be weird. Heather, like, yeah, and Heather's just like, it's a normal conversation, and I'm admitting to having the conversation, but why are you making it so bad and that I'm the only one doing that? Right. That's the difference. Shannon then says, Gina's telling everyone that I won't be back and that she's not going to film with me at all cast events. I was like... And apparently, like, Taylor said that Gina said this to her on, like, a plane ride or something like that. Gina maintains, I never said this. I only said that I may not come back because I can't deal with this whole thing after the CPS comments. Right. Which I believe. I Yeah. <laughs> Taylor probably had a few too many martinis on the plane. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, Andy, Andy then, oh, this got good. Andy then asked, what did Tamara say at BravoCon to Heather? And Tamara goes, I sat down at a table and I said, you're hanging out with the losers because you said that to me. I was joking. And Andy goes, by the way, you had some terrible things about everyone that was still on the show when you weren't on the show. Tamara goes, but we're not talking about that. So fuck off. Shannon's face was like, what? Andy's face was like. And he goes, okay, but I mean, it was a double standard. And Tamara goes, why are you trying to throw a wrench in it? Like staring him down. But also like clearly saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah. Right. Like, why are you messing up my argument? And he goes, well, because I'm just pointing out that you, you were calling them losers too. And Tamara goes, right. And because she said it, it's okay. And Andy goes, no. Tamara goes, okay, then be quiet. This is, I, it was fucked up and I was, it was jarring as fuck. I also think I talked to you about this. I think part of it is kind of on Andy where Andy does have such these friendly relationships with these like longstanding housewives like Tamara to where I don't think Tamara saying it. She felt like Andy was another player on this show, right? Right. She looked, I don't think she meant it like, I'm, I'm, she viewed it as, I'm telling off my boss right now. Right. And telling him to fuck off. Right. But like, I think it's because that relationship is so comfortable. See, I, I, uh, part of me wishes that there were two Andys because I like Andy being an executive producer. I think he does a good job doing that. But I don't think that the same person that is 
an executive producer who is basically all of these women's boss should also have the should also be the person that is doing these reunions should also be the person who is hosting watch what happens live yeah i think i feel like those need to be different people because they need to be able to to talk back to him on an equal level on equal footing even though he's kind of in charge and moderating he do, i don't feel like I feel like you need to be able to push back on a question. And I think him asserting like that point that made Tamara so upset was necessary because like Tamara needs to be held to a certain extent to to certain things, but like it, it, it just blurs the line to a certain extent. And, and I don't know how you necessarily fix it. I don't either because you, you want somebody who's longstanding because you need someone who understands the dynamics between the women. Right. But you also need someone who's a little bit removed so that they're not in it themselves. Right. It, I don't know. It's a fine line to walk. And I feel like Andy, for the most part, walks that line. And and we've seen with also a couple reunions now, including this one last episode, where it's like Andy's now being used as supplementary evidence. Of like right. conversations and like that's also a weird place. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it was still fucking jarring as fuck. Though. Yeah. Tamara's like, I was, I'm upset. Was upset because we sat down after the pumpkin patch, Heather, and we agreed to move forward. And then the BravoCon stuff like happened like days later after that. So what was that about? Tamara brings up then that Heather said to Emily and Gina at one point to separate from each other. And then Emily's like, yes, that's what you said, Heather, that we needed to separate from each other. Heather goes, no, what I said was that it's important for you two to have your own identity, that you're not – because I do think people view – and I think it actually helped them this season is that they viewed Emily and Gina as a unit. Right. And so they ended up – when one would piss them off, the whole unit would be – then right. they would be pissed off at. Well, and it – like even so much so to the fact that they were brought on Watch What Happens Live as a pair. Yeah. They weren't brought on individually, and now I'm thinking about it, they don't usually bring one or the two of them on separately. They're usually on together. Yeah. So it's like, even Bravo is acknowledging that these two come as a pair, so clearly you need to, like, diversify. Yeah. Right? But I think they did that this season, and I think, like... I think they did, It yeah. lent to, to both their benefits in many ways. I agree. Heather, but Heather says like it was. It, what I said was that it was important for you to have your own identity. And Emily goes, "Okay, well, you say everything accurately, Heather, and I fuck it all up." Apparently, well, you kind of do because you fucked up the name of the person with the whole BravoCon comment. You're zero and one in terms of that. Well, and what I get frustrated about is here I am on Tism Watch again. Uh, another plug for our new shirt design. Um, <laughs> but like Heather is somebody that I think fits into that category and she is very particular about the words that she chooses you said this she she does not just flagrantly throw words around heather goes heather is like i said very particular emily however is like a bull in the china closet of grammar Mm -hmm. she will just like trample through the words and whichever ones stick to her as she's running through those are the ones she uses it's like completely different you know like schools of thought right so like yeah sometimes emily you just blurt things out and it doesn't come out the way that you 
aren't intending and then therefore it's misinterpreted because it's easily misinterpreted as opposed to Heather is very particular about the way that she says something so that it's not misinterpreted. And then you assholes still decide to misinterpret it somehow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Heather says, oh, because you're so factually accurate all the time, Emily. And Emily goes, I messed up the name. And Heather goes, you messed up the whole thing. It was like a game of Clue. You're Colonel Mustard in the billiard room with a rope when it was Professor Plum in the kitchen with a knife. <laughs> that was one of my favorite lines this reunion. It was great. Heather then uh, tells Shannon, like, I, I'm so grateful, actually, Shannon, that you texted me recently with everything that's happened because I do feel like... I th she was basically like, I feel like you did truly hate me and that there was no fixing this and you were just committed to thinking the worst of me no matter what. <laughs> I love at one point Andy asked Jen, so Jen, what do you think about this? And Jen goes, I wish I understood it. <laughs> like I wasn't here for some of these conversations and like, you know, I wasn't at BravoCon. So <laughs> poor Jen. <laughs> she was me. I do. There was times where I was like, I wish I understood it too. <laughs> yeah. It is hard coming in on season 17. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Annie asked Tamara where she goes with Heather. Tamara goes, I love Heather. And then she starts crying. I I don't believe any of the, here's the thing. I don't believe any of the stuff that's going to happen here is real on Tamara's yeah. end. But I, I also think it's necessary for the show. Yeah. I've always loved Heather. I mean, it was really difficult not having Heather in my life for the past year. I just want to move forward. I, I want to get back to where we were and put all of this behind us. Heather goes, you know, I think for different reasons, every single one of us sitting around here has had a difficult year. So as far as I'm concerned, the more friends, the better. I've said it to you this season. In the 12 years I've known you, Tamara, you're the best I've ever seen you. You look great. Your marriage is great. All of it's good. And I said to you, why are you so angry? Which I love that. I like, it was very Lisa Renna. You're so angry. <laughs> Tamara's like, I've been going through a lot, you know, losing cut, you know, Bronx died, and I didn't know where my place was. And I'm not trying to make excuses. I drank way too much. And I'm an asshole when I drank. Like, then maybe stop doing that. Yeah, sure. If yeah, I maintained it wasn't drinking, but, you know, fine. Tamara goes, I love you and appreciate you. I'm sorry if you felt alienated from this group. It's not what I intended at all. And Bullshit. I, do, I don't believe that. <laughs> I clearly don't believe that. But whatever to move on. And then as they kind of close towards the end of the reunion. Andy reads this fan comment that says, I don't have a question. I just want to say this cast is perfection. I'm going to really miss this season. And I was like, I agree. I love that they had a moment just be like, God, we did a really good job this season. <laughs> like even like Tamara, the producer hat came on. It was like, and was even like, Jen, you're coming back next season. Yeah. Like everyone did a really solid job. I agree. I thought it was fantastic. I thought they had such a good dynamic i was mad like i was i mad at tamara at moments yes but like at the end of the day it all worked out for an entertainment entertaining product right and while i think that shannon needs to take the next year off i don't think it's because she's bad tv no not at I all i don't think she's bad in the group i think it needs to happen for her own mental health yeah um uh, whether gina decides to come back or not is again going to be for her mental health right i hope she does because I, I love Gina. I've loved her since she first started. Um, so I hope she comes back. But who knows? Um, but I, I do think Shannon needs a break. Yeah. And if we could have her next season and it be healthy, I'd be there for it. But I, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. I think 
Bravo needs to sit her down and go, look, you you need to take your time. Get healthy. Get healthy. Come back to us in a season or two. Right. I agree. But like we said, fantastic season. Credit to all the girls. Loved everything it brought. It was one of the best things we've we've had in a good while in terms of just like general oh, yeah. housewives dynamic. And the whole season, too. There was no dead episodes. Yep. Jen was an amazing rookie year. Uh, great job. Excited to see what you do next year. Um, yeah, all of that. Yeah. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Survivor 45. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling name. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to Again is MB. Let's head on out to Fiji where the Lulu losers are no longer. No, never. No. Okay. Never mind. There's still Lulu losers on Survivor 45. Yay. Um, good episode. I will say like, I, I mean, I also think the episodes, the last two were good in terms of entertainment factor, but like, yeah. really good. This is the most, I think, entertaining strategy wise episode of the new era of Survivor that I've enjoyed. Yeah. I think the extended episodes I figured out, I think that's what's helping. Because yeah. it's like getting get, back to 90 minutes, man, that's made all the difference. You get more of the dynamics of the tribe and it's more easier to follow that way. And now so, if we can get back to 39 days, that'd be great. Yeah, exactly. Um, Lulu returns to camp from tribal after Brandon uh, went home. Uh, Zabaya talks about how she basically recognized that the team could not win without Brandon. Like, like that he needed to go. Like as much as I could want, not win with Brandon. With Brandon. Ah. Words, <laughs> words. <laughs> She's like, you know, as much as I want Emily gone, you know, we need it. Yeah. Uh, Sabaya says that she likes Emily for what it's worth. Uh, that they bump heads just because they're from two different places. 
So, but she's like, I would be open to working with Emily now. Yeah. Keeping that option. And then she gives Emily back her shot in the dark. And Emily's like, I was kind of shocked she gave it back because I definitely am going to be playing it next time. Because the way, as much as, you know, I've made my inroads, there's still a three and I'm the one. And so, you know. Of course, but, she didn't end up playing it, so. Well, I think she ended, well, with the way things transpired, I like that she's like, I don't have to, def- I'm appreciating where she, the fact that she is realizing sometimes that she doesn't have to default on advantages. I think sometimes her instinct is, I need to find something to, right. to get, dig me out of this hole. Well, and that's part of the frustration that I have with the overabundance of advantages and idols and whatnot in this era. And that's really been like since 30 on, I would say. There's just too much. Um, but. I just, I don't know. I, it's weird because I'm new into Survivor, but we've sure. watched a lot, and so I feel like we need to go back to earlier era of Survivor where you have like two idols the whole season, mm-hmm. and that's it. And like they're sparse, and there's none of these random, weird, complicated advantages that you have to melt wax, and then you might actually get it if you give up your vote, but if you don't, then you don't get the... What's going on? Yeah. It's too complicated. Give me an idol on one tribe and an idol on the other one. And let them interact. Give me a third one when they merge. That's it. That's all we need. Yeah. Uh, Emily talks about how... And and it's vocalizing the group. I was kind of confused, because Jeff only read, like, two votes, and then he said, Brandon, that, that was enough votes for Brandon. But there were four votes cast. So, what? Like, see, this is also the problem with the smaller tribes. Yeah. On a 10 person tribe, it's a lot easier to hide when you don't have a vote. But it's also great. I mean, I, it was smart that she noticed that, but she vocalized, like, to vocalize yeah. it like that. So, publicly, Caleb's like, that's not smart, Emily. Don't no. do that. You know, she's like, she's trying, she's getting better, but it's still. But it's also, there's four people. How are you going to hide? Yeah. What are you going to do? Like, pull one person aside then the other two are going well they're planning something like you can't do anything that's my problem with the small tribes you can't strategize you can't do shit you can't hide you can't sneak you can't nothing yeah sabaya is claiming that she oh i voted you know whatever because she can't say like i have right i you know lost my vote or whatever because of this thing um we go over to the bellow tribe there was a scary moment where Jake almost like falls into the fire and like, like I thought it was, it seemed like the fact that he was, bre- I, when I, cause we saw in the preview for the week prior and I was like, oh, he clearly is just like breathing in the smoke and that's yeah. like making, but it almost, Kendra was right that it almost looked like he was seizing. Yeah. It was scary. It definitely looked more neurological and like, yeah. And yeah. Um, but Kendra thinks that, you know, it at least takes it the time to then like bond with Jake over this and like, sort of like build a rapport with him that she wanted to have and, you know, talking game with him and that she feels like really protective of him now. She basically admits to him that like, you know, cause I think he has like, is my name being thrown out? And she's like, I mean, there was a little discussion just because you were saying that you were a lawyer and that like put ears up on people. Um, but you know, they seem to have a good rapport now because that they're so honest with each other. And Kendra's now open to possibly including him in the fold. I don't know why anybody coming on saying that they're a lawyer would perk up somebody's ears. Nobody that is smart enough to use their lawyerly skills was would come in and say they're a lawyer. By the way, a lot of lawyers are dumb. Uh, clearly. And are bad at their, like, 
Were you a lawyer for the Trump administration? Because uh, <laughs> in that case, you're fine. He's he's brand new. He's brand new. He's not super lawyer yet. Yeah. Um, on Reba, there uh, they were talking all about like the food situation that they had found like these two worms to like eventually eat, but then a crab had gotten into the pot or something like that and ate the two worms, and they're like, "Fuck." Like, but you have a crab. I was like, the crab is more meat than two worms. What are you talking about? Um, Austin is now th- uh, trying to think of the right time to go find his idol, right? Right. Because he had already sort of solved the puzzle on the on the um, the sign. Uh, he grabs Drew to help him find it. The, it's the he has to find the palm tree with the axe, and there's these two like laid down palm trees that are kind of like an axe to where they figure that's where it is. Um, they work on this like alibi to where like okay, one of us will start digging the other one will be on lookout and you know if you see someone say something about like how you know oh what you would want for like your food reward or something that like that and that'll be like our code word when you spot someone um d and julie who are also in the alliance with austin and drew are i'm just i'm sorry i'm just confused as to why they need a code word any talking should be enough yeah that's fair I just uh D tells Julie uh, as they're walking that she thinks that Austin and Drew have gotten really close. They're in the they're all four in an alliance together, but you know, it seems that Austin and Drew are kind of their final two essentially of it. Um and they catch Drew digging at one point, but Drew doesn't notice and D makes a comment of like, Are you getting coconuts? And Drew like gets up and walks in the other direction, <laughs> which is like he's like, Fuck, I fucked that up. <laughs> so like it's it's the like just res- you respond normally. You don't have to be like on your toes. He he literally moved like some like if you interrupt a sim that's doing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yeah. just stood up and walked away. It's like what are you doing? <laughs> um, Drew tells them that they are thinking uh, that they think something is down there because they saw seafood digging. So they're going to sell seafood out. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of this, um, and uh, and Austin comes back and they all master stories. You know, in the moment. Austin reassures them that they're still four strong and they just wanted to get it before Sifu did. D is a me. I like D. D. I like her a lot. D seems very smart and like in terms of sussing things out. She's like, my intuition says that something's going on. She said, it felt like my boyfriend was cheating on me and I caught him. Yeah. Like you just have that kind of vibe in terms of it. Um, but she seems to be very intelligent and like, you know, yeah. I'm hoping her and her and Julie's and wins out because. I, while I like, I don't hate Drew and Austin. Like I think they're they verge on a little more overconfident. Yeah. Uh, we go to the reward challenge. I'm sorry, men on Survivor no. are overconfident. Wow. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? It's not like we have a te- uh, long history of that on this show. No, no, not at all. Um, they go to the reward challenge, uh, where basically it's another obstacle course where they race to the beach. They then have to toss a ball up onto this like slope thing that they have to then as it's going down, like go through these like rope, um, maze thing and then catch the ball. They then shoot one ball into a basket that will lower these like three like pegs. And then they have to land three rings. The winning tribe gets a large fruit platter with the second place tribe getting a slightly smaller one. And then the winning tribe also gets the added advantage to where they can steal one item from another camp. So the um, the um, raid um, thing, which they've done in like past seasons. I'm glad they're, I, I think it's a good thing to bring back. Um, Bruce and Jake uh, are sitting out for Bello and J. Maya and Drew out for Reba. Um, 
<laughs> Emily at one point is crossing through it, and Jake on the sit-out bench just goes, trip, trip. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, I need, well, I, I was like, I was that way, but also I was like, I mean, I do like it when they get, like, aggressive like that. Like, we don't get a lot of challenges where they get to, like, exhibit aggression, so to speak, in, in many realms. Like, they've eliminated a lot of those for, like, like like we said, like, the obstacle course ones and stuff like that. So, right. Little moments like that, you know, are necessary. Um, Lulu ends up winning and getting first, and they're so fucking excited that they finally won something, um, even if it's a reward challenge. Hey, look, they needed food. They've been, like dying over there so i get it um reba gets second um caleb is the after the two tribes that got second and third leave uh jeff tells them you know what's going to happen caleb uh decides that he's the one that's going to go on the raid um and we we find out later where he goes to as caleb goes to the boat though he gets a note that basically says that along with you stealing one an item from the tribe uh you have a goodwill advantage that you can give to one player. And basically the advantage, um, if you have lost your vote in some, with like the beware advantage, some form or whatever, you can restore your vote with this advantage. Right. For one vote. Um, And so uh, Caleb has that to give to somebody. (laughs) They're all anticipating, like the two tribes are anticipating who's going to, you know, get, you know, a, a raid on there. Kendra in her confessional, if Lulu comes over here, I will lose my shit. And then she just goes and smiles. <laughs> she missed an opportunity to say, I will lose my shit. There we go. Uh, Caleb ends up going to Reba though. Um, uh, Drew feels that like, you know, it figured it would be Caleb because it seems like he's the one running the tribe and sort of like maneuvering all things. That's weird. Cause I don't get that vibe from watching it. I feel more like Sabaya. Sabaya is running things. Yeah, I can see that. I think Caleb is not to say that Sabaya is not cool headed, but he seems he has a more cool headed attitude about things and sort of a like what we see later in a, when he's talking with the Reba tribe. He's definitely a salesman, yeah, and has that quality. Well, we also have to remember that they're seeing a very limited ver- like we're seeing so much more mm-hmm. than what the other tribes are seeing. Yeah, um, they like Caleb's asking all of them about like their background. Um, Sifu and Jay Maya are both into like music production. And then Sifu does like an air guitar set. Moving on. <laughs> um, I, Sifu's going to be that, that one. He's going to be that contestant. Yep. Yeah. Um, Caleb says that he's going to basically take the fishing set, but going to leave them the spear. So they have, they have at least something. Um, but they talk about later at tribal. It kind of sucks that spoiler alert. They, they don't still end up getting their flint. Yeah. So it's like you have a fishing set to where you can catch fish, but you don't have anything to cook it. I just, the flint is just supposed to make it easier to start. You can still make a fire without the flint. Sure. Like, why are these people coming to Survivor not knowing how to make fire? They know somebody is going to not be getting a flint. Right. I mean, Brandon was, I think, last episode trying with his glasses, doing the whole, like, sort of, like... But isn't that a thing in the movies? <laughs> I mean, it it does work, but it takes, number one, concentrated effort. He was moving his glasses. Right. And it takes a while. Yeah, like, yeah, you, yeah. it doesn't just happen immediately. Um, But also, like, the cavemen did not have flint. 
Sure. But they made fire. How did they? They they were rubbing sticks together, banging she... clock, uh, 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 rocks together. Like, there's ways to do it, and you should be prepared before you go on to Survivor. You should know how to fucking start a fire multiple ways. You're telling me Jesus didn't do that? <laughs> didn't give the cavemen fire? Yeah, for the first 6,000 uh, <laughs> years, you know, there was no... There was no fire until 2,000 years ago. That's when we got fire. Exactly. Um, Drew, uh, Caleb is talking to everybody individually, which I thought was an interesting move. Julie recognizes him. Like, he's a player. He's very much a salesman. Like, he's, you know, talking everybody up. He decides that he's going to give Drew the safety without power advantage. Um, or, no, sorry. Give him the goodwill advantage because Drew told him about the safety without power right. advantage. These names of these fucking... It's like, can you make them easier? Like, God. Um, Drew is really thankful for this because while he doesn't need it, Austin needs it because right. he doesn't have his vote. Um, Drew shows this to Austin, Julie, and D, and is hoping that by showing all of them that he got this new advantage, that like it'll soothe things from earlier. It's like, right. Julie and D won't worry about it because I'm telling them this. So, right. um, which I thought was smart. Drew is very smart. I, I give him that. Yeah. Um, Lulu is on their camp feeling more confident with the win. Um, Sean is talking about how he's also like more open to like working with Emily now and that she's making a lot of good inroads. And then Shabaya tells Sean when Emily's gone, like, honestly, like it's you and me. I really don't care about anyone else but us. Like Shabaya and Sean are like, we're final two basically. And then Shabaya then starts going, I don't think I can sit next to Caleb at the end. Cause like he is an amazing speaker. You'll t- like, so yeah. I, I like Emily, if you ju- like, that's the thing, just wait a little bit and they're spiral a little bit. And like, it's very early in the game. And so now Zabaya is very much in terms of getting Caleb out, Yeah, which I think is correct. Like everyone, like that was the craziest thing about this episode. I was like, no one's making dumb moves. Yeah. Like Steve was doing like dumb air guitar, but he does, he's not doing any strategy, but like <laughs> yeah. everyone else is like pretty on top of things. And it led to, that's why it led to such an interesting way things turned about because no one was dumb. <laughs> um, they pull Emily in on this and basically uh, because Zabaya doesn't have a vote. So they need Emily to be with them. And Emily's now torn at this point because it's like, this is what I wanted. I wanted to get out from the bottom, but like also Caleb has been really kind to me, you know, but he is a threat. So it's like, she's being pulled in two different directions. Yeah. Well, I think She's also in a situation where, okay, fine, I get rid of Caleb, and then what happens to me? I'm back on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's <laughs> at a certain point, if you, if you, let's hope they win an immunity challenge after this, but no, no. <laughs> um, the, uh, the Bellow men uh, are taking the raft out to go fishing, and while that happens, the girls on Bellow are talking, um, and Kendra's vouching for Jake and saying that, you know, I think he's good, he can be with us. Um, and the, her and Kelly basically like, honestly, I'd rather take Jake over Bruce and Katara's is like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, God. <laughs> like, yes, finally, somebody's willing to like fucking point their attention to Bruce. Um, Kelly is also, then goes and touches base with Brando because Kelly and Brando are in the middle. So she'll go where Brando wants to go, et cetera. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking forward to next week when, because they're spoiler alert. Oh, right. They're they're swapping the tribes up. I guarantee you. I, I really hope that we end up with some producer shenanigans, and we get fucking um, 
uh, Bruce and Katara. Emily on the same or Emily. vibe. <laughs> I just, I need that tension. Yeah. Because <laughs> all the work that Emily has done in these last three episodes and- will spiral down the drain. Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, um, Austin tells uh, Julie, D, and Drew about his beware advantage. He's acting like he's telling Drew for the first time, but he's already told him. Um, but then lies, but lies about the timeline that he got it more recently than he did. Cause he's like, I need everyone to help me find this. Um, Drew tells them that he told them, uh, Sifu, uh, that, that they gave they the reason that they told him that Sifu found, saw the tree or whatever was because I didn't, it was Austin's advantage. So I didn't want to be the one to say it. It's like. They, they at least had a plausible situation. Because I can under I can believe in the game of Survivor, you don't want to be the one to reveal that your ally has an advantage. Yeah, you want them to reveal that because that's their gameplay. Sure, it just was convenient, and I hope D picked up on that. Oh, I hope so too. Um, they all work on digging, and and with one of them, will like stay on like Sifu and J Maya to make sure that they don't, you know. Um, D though finds the rope that's under the palm tree because that's what they keep looking for. They and they they keep missing the because I think Sabaya also missed the rope on the tree. For well, hers. but Sabaya's was on the tree at eye level as opposed to this tribe. It was literally underground. Yeah, they pull up the rope and that D and Julie pull up the rope and they get a hammer and the hammer basically says that you need to break a rock by the water well. And I thought this was a mistake. Maybe it was just the you know, because Jay Maya was coming forward, so they scrambled. But, like, they, you know, Julie runs the hammer to Austin to smash it. Yeah. I was like, damn it, you should have kept it. Yeah. And you should have done it yourselves. And, like, you know, but then Austin gets his idol, you know. But then we see an added twist to this. So he gets his idol, but it's he reads the paper further. And it's an idol only good for one tribal council. And then it becomes mute. However... He can extend the life of the idol. If he sacrifices his vote once at a tribal, then the idol will last till the merge. If he sacrifices two votes, then it will last till the end. I think you were saying this during Survivor 44. There's way too many reasons for them to give up, or there's way too many opportunities for them to give up their vote. Yeah, it's like your vote. Jeff used to always say your vote is power. So like, like it's the only currency you have in game is where your vote is going to go. So if you are choosing to give up your vote, it had better be pretty fucking special and a simple immunity idol. Ain't it? Yeah. Like an an immunity idol. You, I need like a fast track pass to like final six or something for that to like be worth it. Um, we go to the immunity challenge. Then they have to, we've seen this before. They have to drag a cart um, and then knock down these keys that will unlock more puzzle pieces. Then they have to get the puzzle pieces and the broken down cart through a gate, like a, a wall with like a hole through it. And then at the end, they have to construct this like giant cube puzzle. Um, Bruce is starting, we see a little bit of tensions at the puzzle with Bruce. Like Bruce is starting to annoy their, his tribe mates in the way he's kind of, he's, it's, it's the boisterous talking without saying anything. Yeah. And I can understand that it's like, shut the fuck up. That's frustrating. 
Um, Reba ends up finishing first, Bello second, and then Lulu gets last. And it was so sad because, like, Emily's the caller. Yeah. And, like, Bello is, like, about to finish. And you just cut to these shots of Emily looking dejected as, like, sad music is playing. I mean, it it might as well be that, like, the the shitty flute version of the Home Alone music. <laughs> I said it was... A- I said it was kind of like Sarah McLaughlin music. Uh, pretty much. Like, it was so sad. It was like, Jesus. Um, yeah. They're really sad about it that Lulu, again, has to go to Tribal. Someone said, like, the L-name tribes are terrible. That was the old, that was the Philippines one with Denise and, and, yeah. and, and um, the cast and Spencer and Tasha. Like, it's bad bad scenario it's, yeah. it's bad juju um caleb uh is thinking that you know he may not be able to save emily this time around you know because of everything and caleb tells Tavaya to basically put the votes on emily even if she plays her shot in the dark and sabaya says i can make it seem like we're putting votes on you you tell her me and i'll tell her you and you know she'll be out of the loop and then we can vote to get her out which is again it's it's crazy. Sabaya was actually playing this very correctly in yeah. the lead up to this. Like she was very smart in it. And Caleb, you could I mean, I felt like Caleb was falling for it in many regards. Yeah. Why would he doubt the fact that this alliance would, you know, hold up? Yep. Um Sabaya tells Caleb that she's gonna try to melt the wax during tribal. And she's like, just draw out the process as much as possible so we can get that that fucking idol. Like, you know, which at that point it's like, yeah. Also, I, I will say it again like I did last week. Y'all have torches the whole way to tribal. You better believe I'd be using that fucking torch to melt that fucking... Like, what are you talking about? What right. are you doing? You have fire. You use it. Uh, um, Sabaya tells Kayla... Or, or, sorry, I got that part. Sabaya uh, then decides to reveal her idol to Emily, the wax idol. Uh-huh. Um, and that hopes that by telling her this information, Emily won't feel like she's on the bottom. And so she'll be endured to us and then vote Caleb out. And, but then this does the exact opposite. And now Emily thinks that Sabaya's like, hasn't been truthful with her and she's been holding stuff and now wants to keep Caleb. So now Emily is now team Caleb. And then Emily, this was great. Emily going straight to Caleb and basically being like, they're voting for you. I am trying to save your ass right now. You like you, it, it, it's gonna be bad if you don't do this, basically. But she was very like, I was worried because she was so like gameplay in the first couple days that, like, I think was worried that Caleb might not trust her. But she was very clear headed in how she was like telling him this information. Well, she is very, she's very gameplay oriented, but she has not lied. Yeah, she has made it a point to be truthful to a fault, right. And I think that that's what got Caleb on her side. Right. And But Caleb, before that, is basically not sure. Right? The, when yeah. she, because he's like, but Sabaya did tell me that he was, she was telling Emily to vote me. So could this right. just be her thinking, you know, the, the plan in action or whatever. So, it, I mean, the, like, but it, everything made sense to where I was like, oh, this is actually really enthralling. Because I don't know, like, it wasn't like, there were some times where, where they would, in like past recent seasons where they would go in the tribal being like, I don't know how you don't think what's happening is happening. Right. Yeah. Here it was like, no, everyone's motivations make sense. Yeah. And, and it's laid out really well. I, I also get really frustrated when we go into a tribal and it doesn't make sense. Who goes home. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
how did that happen? Where did any of those boats come from? <laughs> when were they drummed up? There was no scramble in that direction. I don't understand. And then they end up randomly going home. This I this built the tension, right? Because you're like, oh, well, is, is that going to happen? Are they going to go with Emily? Or are they going to go with Sabaya? Are they going to go with Caleb? Like, what's going to happen? Like, at no point did anyone think uh, Sean's going home. Yeah. And he doesn't. And so, I mean, like, that's that's what it should be. It should never come out of left field. It should be the person's name is floated and you're surprised that that person ends up being the one that's fun, but it should always be that they're floated. But the, and there needs to be a clear understanding of how that got right. Um, so they get to tribal council. Sabaya puts her idol in the fire, like in front of everyone. Cause she's told everyone. Right. Um, and she's, she says like, I got like a trucker tool set. She has this long stick that she's like, cause I was like, I don't want to put my hand in there. And the best part about this tribal is like Jeff asking a question, someone giving an answer and Sabaya just getting up and m- moving the idol to try to make it wet. It's like, it's like she's fucking poking a steak on a grill or something. Yeah. 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 It's like, what are we doing? Nope. Not done yet. Uh, <laughs> Um, she, uh, and eventually though melts, um, and it looks like it reveals like a scroll, like at right. a certain point, which, uh, you know, we'll find out at a certain point. And then she like puts it in her pocket. So she goes to the booth. I thought this was interesting. They go to vote. She goes to the booth to read her idol, to right. reveal it. And then we find out, oh shit. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing as Austin's idol to where, you know, it only works for this tribal council. Right. So... And somebody is then conflicted. Like I could use this on myself only for this tribal council, but then that's such a waste of this idol because, because Sabaya has no belief that she's going home at this point. We were trying to run these scenarios, like what the real scenario ends up being. So like, okay. So we know Caleb and Emily are voting Sabaya. Sean is voting Caleb. Sabaya has a choice here. She could give up her vote, which she ultimately ends up doing in order to extend the life of this idol doesn't end up mattering. Um, or she could have kept her vote. And, but, but she and probably then, wouldn't have played it on herself. Right. She would have played it or she would have played it on or maybe she wouldn't have played it. Who knows? Um, I don't know why you wouldn't play it at that point. Um, but she would have voted for Caleb. I think the most likely thing for her to do would have been play it on Emily because she was wanting to make sure she kept Emily. Right. So at that point, you have a draw where Caleb. There's two votes on Caleb, two votes on Sabaya. Right. And Emily is immune. So they have to have a revote. Between Sabaya and Caleb. And there would be no incentive for Emily to flip because right. she would be immune. And if they were to go to rocks, Sean would be the only eligible person. Right. So it would be a Sari situation. Right. So in that, in that scenario where you have Emily with immunity, unwilling to flip and, and vote um, uh, Caleb out, Caleb maintaining strong, you would then for Sean to then flip and vote out Tobiah. In order to stay in the game. Right. Or if she had just said, fuck it, I'll play it on myself, then it, that would have ended up sending Caleb home. Right. And 
but that's the only two scenarios, right? There's no scenario where she would play it on Caleb, clearly, because she wants him gone. Yeah. Um, and there's no reason that she would play it on Sean because that would be a total waste. But that's the thing. Like, there's like an underlying narrative of like, oh, she was a little selfish and wanted the idol to last a little bit longer and then ended up voting her out. But I don't think she would have played it on herself anyways. Right. I don't see there would be the only scenario in which she would have played it on herself would be where she's going, fuck it. I don't want it to go to waste. Yeah. Might as well. But that's such a flip like a flippant act to have on survivor you you don't really have people making decisions like that there's nothing to add to your resume at that point right it's episode three what are you doing like you're not gonna do like a eh, fuck it i'll play this idol what yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not how survivors played but yeah so sabaya goes home two to one uh it was a good like good blindside good moment i yeah. I, I loved it um it was great to see emily sort of like get Sabaya out in that regard, like in terms of like, you know, her journey in these last three episodes. I do hope we get Sabaya back in a future season. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think so. She's very smart. I think she was, is a, is could have gone a long way. Yeah. And that, that part is disappointing in that sense. But like, I, I think she still had a good run on this show. Yeah. I, I think so too. Um, it occurred to me a few seconds ago a really good advantage mm-hmm. would be give up your vote until the merge, but you're guaranteed to be a part of the jury, even if you're voted out. Okay. So even if you go home like third, you oh. get fast tracked to jury and you're the first member of the jury. That's interesting. Because I mean, at least that point, you still maintain some power in that you will always have a say in who wins. And that's the one I I would hate like being on one of these kind of shows and not making the jury. Right, like, that would be my biggest like frustration. Because nobody remembers outs pre jury. No, you know they like, don't show, they don't bring them to the reunions anymore because they're no. alive. <laughs> yeah, so which is fucked up because they're still on the island, and you probably still get a check every time, right? Because don't like just by the mere fact that you showing up on television, don't yeah. you get a check? Yes incentive um but like yeah that's really fucked up because they're still on the island it's not like they have to pay for an extra plane ticket to fly them out somewhere right they're still on the island on ponderosa like they're in a separate ponderosa because the pre-jury and jury people don't mingle but they still are on the island yeah they don't ship people off every week they wait and ship them in the same container I don't know how they ship them. I'm assuming it's a flight. <laughs> no, no, it's in a container. <laughs> it's in a shipping container. On, they, they get stuck in the the uh, the the supply the supply chain the supply chain on a in a shipping container for like a year and a half. <laughs> Damn you, Joe Biden. <laughs> Anyways, no, but yeah, great episode of Survivor this week. I, I am really liking this season. And we're getting a switch up next next week. That's exciting. We see Jeff say the dreaded "drop your buffs," and it's not merged yet so holy shit should be real fun stuff all right let's get into these tops and bottoms we got roni we got salt lake we got oc we got survivor what you thinking babe uh i'll start with my bottom 
Um, I'm going to give it to Emily over on Orange County. Okay. Even though Orange County was great this season, and, yeah. and there was a lot of good from this, and it was a good reunion, Emily's performance this episode was a little frustrating to me. I get that her story is that she's kind of belligerent and loud, and, and, and that it didn't work well in this environment, and I was getting annoyed how much she was cutting Heather off. Yeah. To at least make the argument. And, and you know, you're a lawyer. You're a smart person. Like, you can counter arguments, you know, well. It was just when it got to, like, someone either calm her down and just be like, yeah. it's not that serious. You know, just, you know, let's talk this out, basically. Um, that was, you know, that was my closest thing, I would say, to a bottom from OC. Because, like, you know, I mean, Tamara's terrible. But, but, but still. But she's good TV. Yeah. Exactly. Um, my top for this week, I don't know. I'm going to give it, I think I'm going to give it to Monica over on Salt Lake oh, okay. City. As, my, as uncomfortable as her scene with her mom was, I found it really authentic. Yeah. And I found it, with that and so, like we talked before about how it, her home life that we saw also felt very jarring in the sense that it felt normal. Yeah. Like, there there was something about like her whole story that I found really relatable. I found her well, I won't I don't think I've found her relatable. That's probably not true because it's been like fucking your brother-in-law and well yeah. But like she seems to have a lot of down-to-earth qualities that I really appreciate and stuff that I think a lot of people can resonate with. Yeah. Um, I think as crazy as her mom seems and as kind of toxic in certain realms, as much as I also like her in certain realms. Mm -hmm. Like I think it's it's good to have that on this platform because I think it's it's providing a lot of good content in terms of story from a, an individual housewife. Like I I think you have to have a lot in terms of your personal story as well as the fights with other women. Like it can't just be that, right? In my mind, and I think Monica showed that she can do that this episode, and I and I and I really appreciated all that she. All that she brought to it. Um, what about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms for the week? Um, I think my bottom for the week is going to go to Psy. That and makes that's sense. pretty obvious, I think. <laughs> um, you know, it's just like, it's, it's like, why are we going after Jessel so hard? Why are we like claiming that we don't care when you are putting that much energy into it? Yeah. Like those two things are, are at opposition to me. And I really am just not understanding her motivations here. Um, and I'm not understanding, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. So it's like either you're a vicious evil bitch or you're hiding shit and trying to point things at other people or like there's something else going on. Right. And it's kind of frustrating me that you're not bringing it to the table. Um. That that's it on Psy for me. Like I've just, eh. um, my top is going to go to Emily, not OC Emily, but Survivor Emily. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she um she really impressed me with this this week. Um, look, like we've I've been kind of frustrated with her the last couple of weeks, because, rightfully so. But um, like she, this week she really um. Or, like, you have to look at it from a gameplay perspective. She's on the bottom of this tribe, and yet she, in the drop of a hat, orchestrates a blindside on the one of the, at least one of the two leaders of the tribe. Mm -hmm. 
who has an idol and feels like they're untouchable, all while that person is trusting you. Yeah. That's some, like, next-level gameplay. I think she could go under the radar. Like, like I think she's actually in a really good position because she has those social um, errors right. to where she can kind of not be looked at as a huge threat, but is slowly building a resume. Right. I don't think people will take her seriously, but they really need to look out for her coming. Um, yeah, I I can really see, like, first week I was like, nah, this is going to be an early out. And then second week I was like, hmm, she's learning. She's ingratiating herself with people. She's still on the bottom, but, like, they at least don't hate her anymore. Yeah. And then this week I'm like, oh, bitch, what? Oh, she showed up. She showed up, and now she's showing out. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers, who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.